it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You thirst for some significance of the both dimensional kind. You enter a realm of spirit, of sight and sound and mind. Your radio is a cosmic doorway and your psyche begins to spark. When you tune in to Gary and the Sun and Night Dreams After Dark. opinions and representations expressed on the night dreams talk radio network and its website are those of the hosts guests and participants and are not necessarily those of or endorsed by the network its affiliated stations and broadcasts the management other hosts or advertisers of the network the shows found on the night dreams talk radio network can but do not necessarily promote any particular lifestyle belief religion political affiliation or other personal practice these shows are for entertainment purposes only and are not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition or give any medical or legal advice. 
You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, Gary Anderson. And that is me, while down at the compound, down at the harbor, 67 degrees. We lost the heat. I'll tell you what, the studio is only 82 degrees. Maybe it might get up to 85 tonight. Man, that's like being in the Antarctic. It's nice and chilly in here for a change. Well, again, to all the truckers that keep America moving, uh uh-huh, you know you do. A big shout out to all of you and to all my amateur radio ham buddies out there. Big 73s to you. Well, tonight we got two great guests. We have, well, the first guest is going to be a good friend of mine, Ron Fitzgerald. He's a horror actor. He is a magician in the dark realm. He's made a lot of movies. He starred in a lot of these horror scary movies. And don't forget, tonight is Friday scary friday night and who's our second guest here tonight james our second guest is rob shelsky and he's well versed in the paranormal and um, much experience and he's got some scary stuff to share as well oh wow that's going to be a great show here tonight well you know what the woman of your worst dreams no i'm not talking about your ex i'm talking about a woman in brazil She's tall, she's skinny, and she has long, long yellow fingernails, red eyes, eyes that creep, and she likes, well, jumping from rooftops, from one rooftop to another rooftop. Her meals, Uh her meals are little children. Oh, my goodness. That that's enough to skin. Can you imagine seeing a woman what you just described, going from rooftop to rooftop, and and, and then landing on a roof that underneath is probably a little kid just screaming. That's horrible. Well, she takes care of the little kids. She eats them. Well, the weeping <laughs> woman. Her name is Maria. She lives in Mexico. She has long dark hair, and a very very shapely body does she have a heart we don't know no man she ever loved would well love her back she took her children in a fit of rage and drowned them in the river one by one when the man she loved well showed up again and he realized that he really did love her she had to confess to him that well she murdered her children she couldn't live with herself so after he left she walked down to the river and threw herself in to have the same fate as her children Mm, mm, mm. yeah that's a scare that that's been a fable there in uh, the hispanic world for a long time the la llorona i think it's something like that but yeah that's some scary stuff Supposedly, there's some kind of um, truth to that legend or lore. Well, you know, there's been a lot of people that, uh, you know, did things like that. There was a woman back a few years ago in California. 
that uh, she got in her a fight with her husband. He filed for divorce, and then she took all her kids and threw them off the bridge. Oh, boy, yeah. I remember a uh, couple, same, pretty much the same type scenarios on the East Coast when I lived there. That happened. I can't think of their names, but it was horrible. I think there was another one down in Carolina there in the 90s, but... Uh, and, and they spent a lot of, I think they're still in jail, actually, but that was horrible. No, there was a woman up here in Washington State last year. She drove her van into the ocean. And thank God, you know, there was enough people on the beach that rescued her children. Oh, I seen, I seen that video. I remember when that happened. Somebody had filmed that. That was horrible. Yeah, somebody ran out there and, and grabbed the kids out. I remember that. Oh, yeah. As the car or van, it was a minivan, started floating away. And, you know, it won't float very long. I, again, last night, we had a great show. William Pullen was on. We covered topics all about UFOs, abductions, the Space Force. You name it, we probably covered it last night. But, again, I, I it was refreshing because, you know, William has the same kind of, well, the feeling I have about abductions. They're not all rosy. They're not, you know, abducting people and just abducting people for the hell of it and saying, hey, spread love. Something is going on. And you know that. And it's more than just maybe implanting the people. There's something going on. And maybe one of these days we'll figure it out. If the government, (laughs) if the government ever steps up and, and tells us the truth. Well, yeah, that that's a big if right there. But uh, again, uh, there's so much going on with that. So many scenarios that, boy, oh boy, there's a whole Pandora's box to be opened if we knew the truth about some of this stuff. Well, you know what I'm kind of worried about is November this year, the elections. You know, most people are going to do the mail-in ballot. Isn't it kind of strange the new postmaster was actually removing post office boxes everywhere through neighborhoods all across the country, going to places like in L.A., where they had the biggest, you know, warehouses for sorting mail, and disassembling the uh, machines that uh, sort the mail. Um, yeah, well, I just learned today that those some of those big machines that sort the mail, they took them out and are piled up in the junk pile. They're removing mailboxes. And listen, I, I tell you, I've been affected by it. I had a piece of mail that should have been here going on two weeks ago, and it still hasn't got here yet. So it's definitely affecting people. Uh, that's for sure. And also, you know, the mail-in where you put, you can, there's a box. They're supposed to be all over cities where you can drop your vote your votes in well now they eliminate so they only have one in the the county capital seat town now interesting and you're i know here we each county has a couple different places where you can you know drop off the ballots but the thing is the postmaster today in front of the senate says oh it you know it's not going to affect you know the the ballots coming in timely how can it not affect it it is just not that also they have literally the, the package machines and stuff that people, you know, when they send a package, it gets sorted out. The same thing. They they took a lot of those machines out. And, you know, a lot, I didn't even realize a lot of farmers will send baby chickens 
you mm-hmm. know, uh, across the country through the mail because they know that the, the chickens will survive in these boxes for three, four days. And in L.A., the post office, the, uh, the, the main sorting place, they're screaming because the smell is so pungent of all these, you know, people, you know, sending live animals through the mail. Right. They're dying right. because, you know, they're not getting sent out. And in in fact, you know, some of uh, the post offices or all of them been instructed, you know, don't deliver all the mail. In other words, we don't want you to work overtime. So if there's mail that comes in and the mailman's supposed to be going out at eight o'clock in the morning and it's not all sorted out, well, it can wait a day or two. Mail right now is taking even locally five to seven days now. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. I know. You know, another thing that's affected, you mentioned the chickens, plants. Like um, lemon plants or peppermint plants or plants that get sent in the mail. I know this firsthand. I found out today because somebody I know real well was supposed to get a bunch of these. And they sat so long that, well, of course, they went dead. They didn't get watered, you know. And these companies have been doing this for a long time. So they know. They count on the mail because they know how long they, they can last through the mail. Well, you know, they can't last 10 days to two weeks sitting somewhere in a corner. They die. So when the person got them, they were all dead. Oh, yeah. It's going to be rather interesting this election this time around because uh, Trump, even uh, in the news, he was asked by, God, I can't think of the network, but it was a major network. The uh, reporter asked the president, well, if you aren't reelected again, are you going to step down? And he goes, well, I have to see because, you know, these ballots can be faked. (laughs) Oh, boy. That ought to be interesting then what to uh, coming up uh, in this fall, I guess. Jeez. Yeah. What happens if we have a president It refuses to leave office? Now, is the Congress going to send out their sergeant of arms and arrest the president at that point? I have no clue. I just hope it don't come to that. I don't even know what would happen. It, it could be. Mm. We could be in a real interesting ride here this come November. Yeah, and I hope it don't come to that stuff. We got enough turmoil going on in this country. Good lordy bees. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. You know, the money that all these people that got all these checks, right, from the government, their $1,200 mm-hmm. checks, $2,400, or up to 5000 depending on how many dependents you have. Uh, Bank of America yesterday said, you know what? The economy is slowing down because the people have already burnt through that money. And the only way the economy is going to continue to continue is that they figured that the economy needs a $1.4 trillion influx of money right now. And every day it doesn't happen, the economy is going to start going back the other way. Unemployment, again, went sky high. And it went down for a while, but now it, it has gone back up again. Yeah, and, and boy, oh boy, that that money didn't last long at all. That's for sure that the people got. And by that time, you know, there's people that uh, hadn't been able to pay rent, uh, pay their electric bills, and all these other things. So yeah, it, it's it's horrible. How about the people that got evicted? There, right. you know, again, just because somebody signs a thing and says oh, you can't evict people, 
That doesn't hmm. mean anything in different jurisdictions, okay? And again, too, like on foreclosures, if you don't have a federal-backed loan or a mortgage on your house, that don't mean anything. If you have a conventional loan through like whatever, you know, mortgage company, they don't have to honor it. So, I mean, we're we're very close to seeing a huge amount of foreclosures. You're going to see a lot of people out on the streets. I know up in the Seattle-Tacoma area, the tents are going up everywhere because people are being evicted. They have no place to go, no money, no shelters. No, they, they, you're absolutely correct. And it's going I tell you, it's only going to get worse if things don't start to pick up pretty soon. That's for sure. And then I know there's trouble getting this other measly $1,200 through because they can't agree on things or somebody wants to add this or that. or, And, and it's all at the expense of the American people. Well, you know what it is. The, the Senate, okay, which is Republican uh, controlled, they don't want to put enough money out to keep the economy actually going. It needs about $3 trillion. It does. And put into it right now. And, you know, unemployment. In some states, people are only getting like $150, $200 a week unemployment. What happens if their mortgage is $1,200 a month or 1100 or 1400 a month? They, they don't get enough money from unemployment. And then the Senate says, well, we will offer it. You know, they only wanted to give 300. Now the Congress wants to go 600. Realistically, think about it. That $600 is the influx that is going to help the economy. That's how they should look at it. But they're saying, well, some people are making more money off of unemployment. So they're not going to go to work. Well, you know what? There's not that many places right now that is hiring unless you want to work in a grocery store or if you want to work fast food. Yeah, right. And, and those, um, let's face it, those jobs, you barely can make enough money to uh, pay your bills. I mean, seriously. And a lot of people haven't been working, so they're behind on these bills. I mean, I seen a neighbor the other day take his uh, nitric box off because they'd, they'd cut it off and put a lock on it. And he rehooked it up himself illegally. I know. I'd, I don't know. I'm just really fed up because I'm, I'm watching the the economy implode and i don't i the longer anything is taking okay it's going to be a lot worse i i I don't even think they could put a deal because you know the senate is out to september and it's no way they're going to come back the first of september and put something together and agree with it and then submit it to congress and then congress fight over it back and forth it's going to be another month or so if they even put something together by then, you know, Christmas is coming, you know, Thanksgiving is coming, the election is coming, and these people ought to realize, you know, it, the longer this stalls out, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to vote for certain people out there. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. I mean, my goodness, it's just getting horrendous. And and then it's scary out there as it is. People already got, they're stressed out and agitated, and I can see why. I've been out in it. Oh, Yeah. So anyway, we got Ron here. Or we did have Ron on the line. It, uh, I don't know. You sure that was the right number you gave me? Um, for uh, Ron, yeah, yeah. Let me look. Oh, I was pretty sure I was reading right off of this. Well, I think I think we have Ron here now. 
Hello. Hi, Ron. How you doing? Hey, Gary. Hi. How are you? I am doing good. How are you? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Doing, my friend? Uh, you know, in the Batcave, doing everything I can <laughs> online and on the phone. Okay. Well, everybody, this is Ron Fitzgerald. He is a magician in the dark realm. He's a horror movie actor. And one of the movies I really like and I don't like many of the blood and gut type of scary movies. I'm more into the sci-fi. But Dark Realm, or, or yeah. yeah, that is a good movie. And, it, and is it still on Netflix, or is it uh, available? Uh, thank you. First, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I've acted in horror movies for over 20 years, and and uh, been a you know in, into gothic illusion, you know, for even decades beyond that. And that was my uh, a film I made with Vincent Belanchio, where we combined everything together there. So, yeah, you can find it, Dark Realm, you can find on um, Amazon Prime right now. So you can find it on Amazon Prime. It's in the U.S. and the U.K. It's going to be uh, extending into other parts of their platform very soon. You can look on it now. I, it, it's kind of underway, so you might be able to find it and other parts of the Amazon platform as well. And soon it will be up on a, on a brand new um, platform called Digital Grindhouse that's uh, being put up by RES Digital Media, uh, who uh, I have a new movie coming out soon called The Devil's Canvas. And The Devil's Canvas is, uh, is a brand new movie that I'm, I'm just acting in. And that will be out, uh, I, I, I wish I had a release date for you, but soon. And that will be on the new Digital Grindhouse platform. And you'll be able to find Dark Realm on that platform as well sometime in the near future. Uh, but Dark Realm, is, is, yeah, it's a combination of my, it, it was shot in front of a live audience on the, on the, on the, uh, the performance segments. And it's a lot, it's probably 60, 65% my gothic illusion show, which is all themed for, the horror audience, so it blends perfectly with the horror narrative, the horror story that weaves uh, around and through, and even spills onto the stage portion of uh, of Dark Realm. But it's really a, a really interesting, groundbreaking combination of of uh, a horror film that's live performance and narrative all put together, and it, it's kind of a like kind of a horror, you know, like an art house horror film. You know, wouldn't you say? Because it it does. It's not it's not completely blood and guts, even though it is it is heavily influenced by inspired by um, one of my favorite movies, the the Wizard of Gore by the Godfather of Gore, Herschel Gordon Lewis. But Dark Realm is more for it. it you know, it it's kind of like uh, if 
Well, my show is like if you saw an illusion show that was produced by Tim Burton. <laughs> that's what my show looks like. So that you know, then you take that and you combine it with an actual horror film narrative, and that's what you get in Dark Realm. So if you like, you know, dark and you know, horror and and spooky and occult inspired illusions with a with a good wicked sense of humor it's not totally dark it's got it's got a fun sense of humor in fact the the movie itself kind of has like an 80s horror feel to it i would say because it's an independent horror film and it just kind of lent itself to that oh yeah and and, 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 yeah i mean it has uh, vincent balancio in it whose horror pedigree goes all the way back to sorority house massacre with roger corman in the 80s and Vinny has been in a bunch of different movies and started in a bunch of horror films we met on a movie by john lachago uh called blood no of all things <laughs> and that has some of its own special uh indie horror cred it's, it's got a little cult movie status to it because that blood gnome is a, is a movie that's set in the um in the uh, BDSM underground, and it's about these little gnomes that go around and kill people and drink their blood. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not even Halloween yet time. But yeah, it, uh, it's, well, yeah, it's scary. Neil, I was watching on, on Facebook, you had a little yeah. demo of your razor blade thing. Yes. Why don't you tell yeah. the listeners what you do with these double-edged razor blades? I do. I, I have an entire act that's kind of, it's uh, magic and sideshow all put together, and it is uh, me eating uh, six double-edged razor blades. And I don't want to give it away. There's a, there's an interesting surprise ending, but uh, they're real razor blades. Uh, I am really sticking them, you know, in my mouth and, you know, flipping them around, and you can see that. And uh, it's uh, it's got a surprise ending to it, and you'll have to see it for yourself. And it's online, and you can see it. Um, that little demo was one razor blade, and uh, we shot that here actually in my kitchen. Uh, and, it, and it, you know, because it starts with with, with a line, you know, uh, like Hannibal Lecter or Vincent Price. I like to spend a little time, a little quality time in my kitchen, and that leads into the razor blade. Uh, eating right there, and they can see that. That's up on my my uh, Facebook page under Ron Fitzgerald's Realm on Facebook. But um, if you want to see um, the uh, an entire version of the razor blade eating routine, you can see that on my YouTube channel, and, or you can see it in Dark Realm. If you go look at Dark Realm, you will see a new uh, you know a newer version of the razor blades, which is actually right up front in the movie. Scary. And, uh, have it you, is. It's a, it's a cool routine, isn't it? It's. It, I mean, it's it's different, and it's got some wicked music on it, and um, it is just a it is a weird thing to see. I mean, I've got people out there that are thrilled by that, but I've got as many people out there, you know, people in the audience that are watching it through their fingers over their face because uh, it is very hard for some people to watch me stick those razor blades in my mouth. Well, you know, again on your your Facebook, you're slicing a carrot or something. I think before you put the razor blade in your mouth, I got celery. I, I demonstrate it. I usually use celery on stage now because it's just it's just more visceral. You can see it, you know, slicing through the celery and the, the celery flying off in different directions. So, yeah. So I demonstrate that they're actually they're sharp. They're real, you know, blades, and they are real razor blades. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's pretty wicked, isn't it? That that you know little 
part of the presentation when you see me slicing through it. Well, have you ever swallowed a razor blade? Well, I, I yeah, I mean, I stick them in my mouth and everything, and I, I, you know, I mean, and I'm flipping them around, and yeah, so the whole part of that routine is where I am then taking a, a, a sip of liquid and, and washing them down, and uh-huh. I show that my mouth is empty before the, 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 the climactic part of that, which is, you know, they are coming back out, but in a, in a, in a novel way. I, I don't want to give it all away for people because I don't, I want them to be surprised when they get to the end of it. So if you're watching it in Dark Realm or if you're watching it on, um, on, online on the YouTube channel or something, and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be highly amused and entertained and probably scared, too, probably frightened depending on how you feel about razor blades and <laughs> well, some I, crazy dude online. I would be, I'd be scared about, you know, swallowing one and then having to go to the hospital and try to explain, well, you know, I, I swallowed a razor blade. Well, what were you doing? Right. I was doing a magic trick. It was my show. Yeah. Well, you know, and you know, uh, magic can go wrong and magic can be weird. And I, and, and I, I, you know, I have, I have cut myself with them, uh, many times on stage and, you know, to the point where I've had, you know, somebody had to come up out of the audience and bring me a, a bandage that she had in her purse or something. Thankfully, somebody had something, but but I had to call out to the audience and um, they, they brought something up so I could bandage myself because I was bleeding all over the props. <laughs> <laughs> that would, I would think the audience would not be very reinsured when you're bleeding everywhere. You know that. Oh, well, I... I think these guys actually, you know, it really, you know, takes the point home that they're real. And this happened at a, a horror convention. So uh, they, I, I think they actually enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> Probably. Enough, that, you know, that I, horror audience was down with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah give yeah. me a pint, will you? Mm hmm. Well, you know what? I, it, could, it, uh, could you, though? Draws the vampires. Yeah, but yeah. could you imagine, right? If you you cut yourself and you're bleeding everywhere, and now it's time yeah. to take this beautiful girl and put her in mm-hmm. a coffin and set it on fire. I mean, could you imagine? Uh, uh, you just yeah. had a problem with one of your magic tricks going wrong. You ever wonder if maybe any of your assistants maybe get a little bit nervous? Well, everybody goes through training and rehearsal. So when anybody gets in there, they know exactly what they have to do. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I mean, there, there's, there is an element of danger to anything that, that, you know, where you're doing anything sharp, you know, anything blades, swords, razor blades, uh, anything with fire, anything with water. I've been, I've, I've done Houdini's milk can water torture escape, you know, uh, not the water torture, but the milk can escape where you're, um, submerged in water and they, and in a metal can and they, they, uh, strap on a lid. Oh, Oh, are you still there? I think we just lost him again, James. I think he dropped his phone or something because he said, uh Oh, then boom. Well, we'll give it a, uh, see what happens here. Yeah, can you though imagine you just sliced up your mouth or something with these razor blades, and now it's time to do you know 
mad, like three of them going at the same line at the same time. Uh, hi there. I, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Something interrupted the call. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, you know, what I always would think it'd be really funny, right? You got a magician, and he's doing one of these things where you take a sword and you have a beautiful girl in the box, and you put the sword in. Yes. And yes. then, as a practical joke, the your assistant screams out, Oh, my God! And screams. Uh, I have done that in many shows where I put the, the, the a blade, you know, the first blade or first sword in the box, and I have her scream in the box, yeah. But how, how about where you don't instruct them where to scream, and they decided, hey, I'm going to get back at, you know, get back at you. Well, I, I have had someone that had some trouble in a box with the swords, the swords that went through it, and um, she got poked and not in the pleasant way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that wasn't any uh, sticky fun, was it? Um, no, she was. Thankfully, she was fine because she knew how to how to work around it. But um, it uh, th- there was something not in place where it should have been, and she wasn't quite where she needed to be. And, you know, she uh, she ran into a little bit of trouble in there, you know. And again, that wasn't her. That wasn't due to lack of training. It was it was a mechanical issue with the illusion itself, you know. Well, you know, Ron, that this is not an illusion. It's all real. It's all magic. <laughs> it Well, it's at some level, it is all real. Yeah, it is. Now, do you have any good scary scary stories you can tell us tonight i absolutely do i know it's uh your scary friday show and uh which is always fun by the way oh um yeah i mean this like this is something that happened about 22 years ago and uh you know to to set it up i i was not well at the time i was uh going under a lot of through a lot of medical weirdness and health weirdness and it uh it was a it was a rough time and it, it, you know and uh, it was very serious and this was then late one night you know i was i was you know i was uh on my way wait well waiting waiting you know uh headed towards time-wise headed towards a uh a surgery and everything and it was late one night i was laying in bed with my girlfriend, she was asleep and I was laying there and I was awake. I was awake and I was on no sort of medication or anything that would cause me to hallucinate or anything like that. And it was quiet and still. And then at the end of, of the bed, I see this, well, what I could only call an apparition appear. And it was floating in the air uh, above the bed, like, you know, two, three feet above the bed, you know? And, um, and it looks like a black shroud just kind of flapping out behind it. And then the arms stretch out to each side of it, and they look like skeletal, skeletal hands. And then the head, the, the, it was like a hood, hooded, you know, shroud. And then the, the, the shroud, the, the, the hood starts to tip up, and underneath that is a, is a, you know, a skull, a skeletal face. And it just seems to hang there for what felt like at the time days, just, you know, just bare. And I'm just 
staring at that. And at that point, I'm more fascinated by this than anything else. But clearly this, you know, looks like a reaper or, you know, something like that, some sort of entity. And I'm just kind of fascinated at this point. And then after, like I say, what it seems like a long, long time, it then slowly starts to drift up towards me, you know, parallel to me as I'm laying in the bed. It, it is starting to, to come up like right above me where it would be staring right down at me. And at that point, I was, I was, I was frightened. It was, it, that, there's not much that scares me because I deal in the ooky spooky all the time. Um, and there's, you know, I've seen a few things I can't explain. That is definitely one, one of the big ones. And, and, and I was fine when it was just floating there at the end of the bed, but it, as it, as it approached me, it really, you know, I just felt a sense of dread and then it got right over me. I took a swing at it. I mean, your fight or flight kicks in and I took a swing at this thing and it was, I swung so hard at it. It rolled me out of bed onto the floor, halfway across the room. It was gone then just suddenly just vanished. No, no sound, no, no, no flash, no, nothing just gone. And I, and I had made such a, a, a commotion throwing a punch at it and rolling out of bed that it woke up my girlfriend. Oh, and wow. that is just one of the, probably the, the spookiest, weirdest, you know, personal experience I've had with anything that I could not explain myself. Interesting. Now, we need to take a break. We'll be back in one minute with Ron Fitzgerald, so stay tuned. wants to give a big shout-out to all the truckers that listen to our show. You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio, and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Across the world, this is probably the best radio station in the world. Good evening. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson, and here's Gary. And we are back with Ron Fitzgerald. Now, a question. You kind of, you you dress like a vampire. Uh, You do. You look like a vampire. It's funny you say that. It's like when I was at a horror convention one time, I was on with, um, and and Bruce Campbell was there. And I was sitting right in the front row because I was going to be on next with a show. And I was watching Bruce do his panel. And and he points right at me and says, are you some kind of vampire or something? (laughs) So I get that a lot. Well, question, when you go somewhere, okay, do people get nervous around you? Do they, like, put their hands around their neck for some reason? What I get is, and and this, I'm I'm oblivious to it at this point, because this is just me. I mean, what you see on stage is me turned up a few notches. But, I mean, I, I mean, I live this all the time. I, I... This, you know, when I changed into this, I mean, just going back for a little bit of history, I, I, you know, when I first started in, in show business, I was just, you know, I, I was the Midwestern boy next door. You know, but, but it was a Midwestern boy next door who liked weird stuff, you know, lots of weird, anything weird, you know, magic, comic books, uh, Houdini, vampires, uh, Dracula, 
um, uh, you know, sci-fi and the paranormal, ghost stories, haunted houses, Halloween, all of the weird stuff I love. You know, geeky, weird, you know, you know, kind of spooky geek culture. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Um, in fact, what got, when I first started Magic and I got that box of Magic, that Magic kit that started me on my career in showbiz, um, that, that archetype of, a, of a, um, the magician with the black tux and the cape, my, my young head said to me, it's like, that dude looks like Dracula, like Bela Lugosi. I'm in. This is awesome. <laughs> and that's part of what attracted me to it in the first place, even though for years in the beginning of my career, I, I was just doing what I had been taught and what I was regurgitating what I had seen on television and, and, and from the, the, the really, you know, awesome, uh, my first mentor, uh, a, a guy by the name of Robert Anderson, who worked under the name of the great Andersini. So let's see, I'm sure you'll find amusing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was, it was, you know, just kind of classic magic birds and bunnies and, and things like that. And it was years later, I, I was, I was, it was an accomplished, it was a nice family show. And then I changed it into, you know, the show that it is today. I started on, you know, on a journey to do that because I wanted to build the show that was more entertaining to myself and my contemporaries and to other people. And I wanted to, to make the show that nobody else was doing. I wanted to make the show that I wanted to see out of out of magic and illusion. I wanted to take it to the dark side and make, you know, what I now call dark, sticky fun. So, so that's just, so that's me. And I mean, I wear my eyeliner, I have a shaved head, you know, and I wear makeup and dark clothes. And like you say, it's a very vampire look. And I, I, you know, that is me. Even when I'm not on stage, I have skulls on my clothes and it's black and my boots and my cane with the scully. I call, I, I call the cane scully, you know, because there's a skull on it and I walk around, you know, and, and I, so I have a look, you know, my eyes don't match and everything. And so, uh, I'm oblivious to it at this point, but when people are with me, they will stop and tell me like when we're out somewhere, um, that's not like a horror function or an actual gig or, or something, a horror movie or something like that. But, you know, like if we're just out at a, at a, a restaurant or a store or something, people that are with me will say, people are staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> and I am, I am pretty oblivious to it at, at this point. And, you know, a lot of people take a lot of crap for being different or alternative, especially in the U.S. In the U.K. and other places in Europe, they're more open to alternative looks and, and, and other mainstream businesses even. But in the States, there's still a very conservative, buttoned-down kind of attitude about, you know, what 
what, you know, somebody, uh, you know, even somebody who's, you know, your clerk, your checkout, your waitress, whatever, even somebody in, in you know, more service-oriented jobs, they, they want them to have this more homogenized look and not be very alternative. And those people can take a lot of crap for their, you know, their, their unique look. And I've always, you know, had people more fascinated with me because, uh, you know, well, first off, I get a big pass because I'm in show business. People expect me to be a weirdo. And I am. I deliver on that. <laughs> so, um, and, I, and I love that. And I love that about other people. I like eccentric, you know, unusual people. And I hang around with a bunch of them because, you know, I've been in show business all my life. And, and that, you know, that leads you to meet a lot of other, you know, creative bohemian weirdos. And that's awesome. That's something that's so... I'm so thankful that I, that I've been able to meet individuals like that, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. And, um, yeah, well, I mean, I, you have a bunch of, you know, very cool people on the show too. So, uh, you know, you're no stranger to that stuff either, right? No, I, I no, I, I'm not. Here's what I would think though, in a situation, you, you get a new girlfriend. I don't know if you, you know, yeah. what your, yeah. you know, your personal life is, but I'm just using this. You get a new girlfriend. You're invited over yeah. to her parents' house for dinner, and they, you sit down at the table, and they go, well, do you drink wine, or do you drink, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, you know what? I be I, Yeah, because I have an extreme look, but you know what? Mums, you know, like when I'm, you know, my girlfriend and stuff, and I have a girlfriend now and everything, and, and it's like, their moms always love me because I am I I am a weirdo, but I'm polite and I'm nice to people, you know. Uh, unless they give me a reason not to be, I, I am, you know, uh, I'm I'm I I'm nice and I have a a certain twisted charm to me. I've been told, and uh, so moms like me because I, you know, I I I think that's just part of somebody's vibe. They can tell whether you're trying to be serious and aloof and whether you're, you know, what you're doing. I mean, a lot of what I do and, and my look and everything is alternative and edgy and, and you know, dark. It's vampiric. And, uh, but I, I don't have a lot of problems with that because, um, you know, some people are, are nervous to approach me because of the look. But once they get to talk to me, they, you know, find that, it, it, you know, I am not, uh, you know, super intimidating to approach, you know, or, or to engage with. I think to approach it's intimidating for people to engage with once they've engaged with me, you know, um, and I am gregarious. I like people. I, 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 if I didn't like people, I wouldn't be in show business. I'd be in something where I didn't have to deal with people. Um, but I love people. I love my audience. I love other people. And I like, you know, seeing a, a variety of people. You know, like I say, unless they give you a reason not to, unless they're hostile towards you for whatever reason that might be, that's their baggage, you know, then there's, you know, no reason not to want to meet people. Uh, so, uh, you know, moms and, and other people are, you know, always, you know, good with me. Once they meet me and have a few words with me and everything, it's always good. You know, I have no problem with it. Okay. So you don't go when you meet yeah. a new family and you bring a bottle instead of wine, it's type O, uh, and say, hey, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's 1937 vintage. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, they I always appreciate a nice bottle of red. <laughs> yeah, nice, yeah, sweet red. You know, I, I, I just right. keep, when I when I think of you sometimes, and please don't take this wrong, 
But I had a guest on the show about a year and a half ago. And before I brought yeah. him on, I talked to a psychiatrist and his medical doctor just to, you know, sure. verify the guy was legit. The guy claimed mm-hmm. that he was a real live vampire and that yeah. for years he hasn't ate any food. And, you yeah. know, I verified it with his doctor, his psychiatrist. The guy does believe he is a vampire. People come for dinner mm-hmm. and feed him. And what they feed him is blood. And that's what he's been living on. Now, according to the doctor, or his doctor, the guy, because he claims he can't go outside because the sunlight hurts him. And when I asked the doctor Mm -hmm. that, the doctor said, yes, the guy is really anemic because he's, you know, living off of this blood. But I asked the doctor, I said, well, if if the guy ever stopped drinking blood, and went back to eating food. What could he? And he goes, I don't know. He might not be able to. So mm-hmm. it tells me that there's real live vampires out there. Oh, yeah. There are many people that identify with that and many people that do drink blood either. You know, they're, they're, they're you know, uh, um, referred to as sanguinarians. And there are sanguinarians out there in the vampire community that, that drink blood. Some of them not exclusively. Um, they do it regularly, but it's not the only thing they ingest. They are still, you know, the, 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 the vampire community be, can be uh, also a bit hedonistic. So they, they like their food and their wine and their drink and their naughtiness uh, as, as well as you know, uh, you know, blood drinking for sustenance. Some of them claim it is the energy of that blood that sustains them. Um, others look at it as, you know, it, it is more, it is more in the, I think in the realm of that, of that, that energy and that exchange. And it's also considered by many very, very, uh, sensual as well, because there is a lot of, um, uh, sexual activity that can be as as much in, in ritual as, as much wrapped up in in that as well well you know i actually years and years ago i i was at a, a friend's house well it was a new friend at the time and he yeah. offered me what they call blood wine and i said sure but it was made with animal blood and mm-hmm. uh, and i tell you what i i i I could never uh, acquire the taste to it. I I just couldn't. It's pretty distinct. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and it is harder for some people. Some people want to dive right in and they're, they're already prepped for it. Um, Other people, you know, it's, it's, it's harder. You know, it's certainly, I think an acquired taste, you know, there are things like that, even in mainstream uh, cuisine, you know, it's like, I think it's a, a, uh, an Eastern European dish, Polish dish or something. It's duck's blood soup things. There, there are actual, actual, you know, uh, you know, uh, dishes made with actual animal blood too. Right. And yeah. that, and interestingly enough, it, it comes out of Eastern Europe, which is, you know, Transylvania and everything like that. And, you know, all the, all the vampire legend lore that comes out of Eastern Europe. So it's kind of fascinating that, that, that has, has even wound up in their, uh, you know, more mainstream cuisine. Now, have you know? yourself, have you ever met a vampire? Somebody after you, you know, you were yes. done with I eating. mean, I, I performed at a lot of vampire um, 
conventions, functions, the vampire balls. I, I, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I performed at the vampire ball down in New Orleans. And that was, uh, it was quite something. But, the, the, you know, you meet a lot of people from a lot of different, you know, you know, persuasions of the, the vampire community from, from sanguinarians and, and others, but certainly people that, that claim to be, you know, real life vampires. And that, that distinction, that, that definition can, can uh, change depending on who you're talking to, because there are many definitions, you know, that go, you know, everywhere from, from that person you had on the show that, you know, exclusively subsisted through, through drinking blood and couldn't go out in the sun, was anemic from it and everything. And there are other medical conditions about people that can't go into the sun and everything and should stay out of it. Uh, I forget what the actual medical condition is, but it, it, you can look it up. You can Google it. It, is, it actually exists. So there, there are... Um, uh, medical conditions to kind of back up some of that behavior. But then there are a lot of people that have uh, adopted that behavior because they, they entered into the vampire community. And like I say, a lot of it is, you know, um, then entrenched in, in uh, vampire ritual and the, the, the drinking of the blood is said to subsist somebody, but some of them then, you know, it, it is like the, the, the energy and the excitement of that blood and of the, the blood drinking ritual. And then there are other people that are not ingesting blood, but they consider themselves a, uh, vampires and what they call energy vampires. Like if you've been around somebody, you know, who is dark and, and, you know, with spending some time with them, you know, you feel very drained afterwards. Those are people that are deemed energy vampires. So there, there are a lot of different facets to the vampire community and the definition of what those vampires, who those vampires are, and who they identify with in, in our modern society. You know, even still, you know, we, we we're entrenched in, in, you know, miraculous technologies, you know, that are just getting, you know, you know, more, you know, uh, more uh, and more by the day. You know, as we go on, you know, there'll be just more and more technology around us. And, uh, and in the middle of that, there is this, you know, which gets into the inspiration of my show. Like even, even in the midst of that, it, you know, it gets into the, the darker mysteries of life that, 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 you know, exist, you know, surround, you know, swirling with and even beyond, you know, technology where or science and mysticism, you know, uh, and spirituality all kind of converge together. And in the vampire community, it's very interesting because you've got that, you know, an idea of, of people subsisting off of, off of blood or people's energies and things like that, that is then, you know, then plunked down in the middle of our very modern technology because these people that consider themselves, you know, sanguinarians or energy vampires or otherwise, you know, they all have cell phones. They all have computers. They all, they oh, all, yeah. you know, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it, it, it's it's kind of fascinating that you know, you know, I knew somebody, um, and I haven't talked to him in a long while, but uh, Don Henry, uh, the vampire, who I had uh, done a few gigs with, and he was on that Mad Mad House reality show on the Sci Fi Network 
mm, quite a while ago now. I forget exactly when it was on, but it's been a good few years ago now. And I had done some some uh, events uh, with uh, with Don, and he he had been on on television and everything on like Tyra Banks show and, and other you know uh, daytime uh, chat shows and everything uh, with his claims of, of you know uh, being a real vampire. Oh yeah. Now I, I yeah. changing the subject. I I want to bring this up sure. here tonight because it's not scary. Well, it is scary mm-hmm. and it's funny at the same time. I you, love scary and funny together. Well, we've talked about it several times, but you know we're on different radio stations now, and more of them. Uh, you know, more listeners out here. It, it never probably heard you on my show before. You had yeah. a coffin one time in your apartment. That yeah. uh, you kind of, uh, it was a fi- fixture in your apartment. Yeah. Can you explain yeah. about why you had that coffin and what what type of problem did it cause you? <laughs> well, that was really interesting. I, I, you know, this is back in the late 80s uh, and, and this particular story took place. I was working in theme parks, amusement parks, because that's, I, I had a, a career early on, um, doing that. And, uh, this, uh, so I was, I was, um, had a girlfriend and she worked with me in the show and she had gone off to me in this, uh, season in the parks. And this was a, a, a park in upstate New York that shall remain nameless <laughs> to protect the, uh, the innocent. Because uh, I'm sure they wouldn't want this kind of press, although they might be amused because it's years ago now. Um, but um, I, I, you know, we we lived. I shared an apartment with my girlfriend and, and two other women that we worked with. Uh, that we all worked together in the parks and the shows. I I I, I did the illusion show and I managed all the other shows because there were other shows like um, uh, character shows where people were dressed in costumes and puppet shows and. And, uh, you know, a couple of other different live shows that we did. And I managed all of those shows and performed in my own show. And the company that I worked with then, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, had me, you know, managing all these shows. So we were out there and we were living out there in an apartment together. And um, all of the kids in the park, you know, they were fascinated with us. Like you, like you pointed out earlier with my look and everything like that. They were very, they were very intrigued by us, you know. And, um, and, and we knew everybody from many different, you know, uh, uh, you know, other shows in the park from, uh, that worked in rides and games and just some of the people that we worked in the park and everything. And so we had had a few parties afterwards and there was this one, uh, you know, teenage girl's mother that did not at all like her hanging out with us. So, um, and, and you know, we, part of it was cause we were, you know, we were showbiz people and stuff, but she had set them. Uh, she had, you know, had the local police looking into me, uh, and they were investigating me as a cult leader. And one of the things was that everyone was talking about, we had taken this coffin out there with us, uh, you know, uh, my girlfriend and I had it, we took it out there with us, you know, we had packed everything with it. It was just, it was really a prop and everything, you know, we use it as a coffee table, like a coffin coffee table, but it was a real, you know, coffin and it opened up and, um, we used to sleep in it and, um, we would sleep in the coffin. We had parts, you know, other friends of ours and other members of the cast that we, you know, just, just to try it, just to say they did it, came out and came over, 
spent the night at our place, slept in the coffin. Some slept with the box open, some slept with the clothes. But we were sleeping in a coffin. So, yeah, I slept in a coffin. And um, uh, as they were then, you know, alongside of this, this this girl's mother gets, you know, wind of this as well. And, of course, wants her daughter to have nothing to do with any of these crazy show business people. And they, you know, and she, you know, really was conservative and didn't like it and had them investigating me as a cult leader. And they were asking these kids, and I didn't even know this at the time. It was afterwards I found this out. And they're asking these kids, you know, does he make you, you know, stare into his eyes? Does he make you eat? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Eat raw meat. So I think even then, as we were just talked about the vampire stuff, I think they thought it was, you know, we had some sort of vampire cult going on, something <laughs> like that. We, yeah, I, and, you know, in the coffin, I could see where it would make them think that. And they didn't know anything about the vampire subculture or the gothic industrial subculture or anything else that I was into. Uh, so, you know, they misread it as all this, you know, weird, you know, really off cult stuff when it's, you know, us being exploratory bohemian weirdos and fans of horror and vampires and, and um, uh, you know, just having some fun. We were, you know, we were clearly harmless, but, you know, I, I think our ideas maybe weren't harmless to, in, according to this, this girl's mother. So, um, uh, eventually they come and talk to, you know, they had pulled me over for no reason, and I let them look, you know, I was driving a van that I hauled the show around with at the time, and, and I had no problem. I didn't mess with the cops. I knew better than that. And they said that they, even afterwards, after I let them look at everything I had and everything, for no reason at all, there was no warrant, there was no reason to pull me over. And um, uh, they said that afterwards they were, they were still even more suspicious of me because I was cooperative. So there was like no winning with these guys. And eventually they went around and started sniffing around. They found out where I lived and they, they went to my landlady, who was very awesome, and she was very alternative. She was into Reiki and healing and crystals. So she had a very alternative mindset, and she was, you know, she understood us, and she got us, and she loved us. I mean, if she didn't, if she didn't like us, she would never have rented us the apartment. So and she was savvy, and she could, you know, she could, you know, read people's vibes. She knew what they were about because she was, she was very much attuned to all of that. And so eventually, you know, she tips me off that these people are, you know, that the cops are looking into me and she gives me the card and I call the guy and invite him over and he's up, you know, and we're explaining everything that we work in the amusement park and we're show business people. And this is my regular show outside of the parks and it's all, you know, horror and vampire themed and everything. And he gets it. And then, you know, he, you know, he's asking us about the coffin because he is, you know, amused and 
scared by it. And you could tell from his questioning that he was, you know, concerned okay, about Ron, it. Ron, we need, yeah. we, need, we need to take a yeah. break for the top of the hour. And we'll find out more Doctor. what happened with the detective after we come back from break. So we'll be back with Ron Fitzgerald uh, just after the break. So also check out our website at www.nightdreamstockradio.com. We'll be right back. You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio, and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Hi, this is Tom Davis with Metatron Power and Light. Our songs are inspired by our own experiences and the stories of people we've met. We know what we've seen, and we know the truth. We are not alone. She asked me for a What's unusual about Metatron Power and Light as a band is we share the same beliefs. We've all had similar experiences, and together through music, we can explore the kinds of subjects that haven't been presented in exactly this way before. We want everyone to know that what you're going through, we're going through. When you're being told one thing and seeing another, we're here with you. Music brings people together, and together we're strong. Good evening, or morning, depending on your time zone. From the Pacific to the Atlantic to you worldwide. Get yourself a cup of java and find a comfy, easy chair. And get ready for Gary and his guest on Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark. And now... Here's Gary. And here I am. Hey, James, you need to go out and get yourself a coffin. You know that. Oh, really? I need to get a coffin? Well, <laughs> let me uh, note to self. Get a coffin. <laughs> Done. I, done. I'll, I, I got enough money in my bank account. I can get I can get a cardboard one. Well, I, there you yeah, well I appreciate it. When it gets here, I'll sleep in the house and film it. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't want to sleep in a coffin. I I have this thing about a coffin, you know. I just it's like the final resting place. Why experiment in it before you need to go in it? <laughs> I yeah. guess it's just a, a way of exploring that for a minute while you're still conscious in it. I don't know. I, I, I you know the whole funeral thing and and coffins is kind of creepy as it is because as you know ron i i've had two sons pass away in the last couple months and one yeah, of them well, that's, that's, yeah i'm sorry about that that is i mean that that is you know i mean genuinely you know you know uh my heart goes out to you that is that is not an easy thing to uh deal with you know it is it's a real hard thing to do and and you know, yeah. my one son always said when he died, he, he wanted to be buried. Okay, so we did what yeah. his wishes were. My other son wanted to be cremated. And we yeah. we respected his wishes. I didn't want to do it. But I, I, I tell right. you what, I don't know the a lot of these funeral homes. I'm not going to say who it is because I'm sure they're yeah. all the same way. 
the first thing they do is like it's worse than buying a used car. You're, you're really yeah. distraught when you go in there because you just lost a loved one. And Absolutely. So they start out with an $800 coffin, and then they work up to, well, you know, you need to buy this coffin. It's guaranteed not to leak for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Well, are we going to dig up the coffin in 49 years to see if it's leaking? But the, the thing is, with my other son that wanted to be cremated, they kept saying, well, you know, you should buy this coffin. And I go, wait a minute. You're cremating right. Why? Why, uh, mm-hmm. why do you want me to spend $3,000 for a coffin that you, you're going to push a button, it goes into the, you know, and it's, it's over with? I, I, mm-hmm. death, exactly. death in this country is really treated, I, I don't know, it, it's weird. I mean, I, it's probably that way all around, but it, it's worse than buying cars. It's worse than Al Bundy trying to sell you a pair of shoes. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, it's been monetized and it is, it is a business that everyone at some point in their life will have to go deal with this business. I mean, you know, uh, it's like there's, there's, you know, a couple of, a couple of businesses you can't do without when you're, you know, living your life, you've got to go to the store, you've got to have some food when you're on your way out. Somebody's going to have to deal with the um, the, the funerary uh, services and the funerary end of that, and that has been highly monetized. And uh, you know, I you know, I agree with you when you know when they're trying to upsell you on on something that you really you know uh, don't need or maybe don't want. I mean, having that option presented is one thing, but when you are in grief and you are distraught, that. Yeah, that's a hard time to try and make decisions like that when they're putting that in front of you. And some people, you know, if, if it's all, if everything's, you know, uh, financially in order and, and or paid for, then, you know, some people want the finest on the way out. And then some people want something that, that is, you know, uh, fine but affordable. So, and there's, there's nothing wrong with either one of those choices. You know, that is a very personal thing. And it also depends on your finances, but when they're trying to upsell you on something you clearly don't need, because, um, you know, there are specific kinds of coffins they use in, in, in a, in a crematorium. Right. Um, and they are less expensive because they are made of materials that, that will, you know, uh, go through that process easily. So when they're trying to upsell you into something else that you clearly didn't didn't ask for, didn't want or need, that's when it starts to become like you say, you know, you you, you that is akin to somebody trying to sell you a car you don't need or want, you know. Well, I already so. I already came and told my wife when I die, I want a cardboard coffin, and I want to be mm-hmm. buried face down. And my wife says, "Well, honey, why do you want to be buried face down?" I said, well, because I know my life. I'm not going to heaven. I'm going somewhere else. I want to go there faster. <laughs> well, all our friends will be there, and they'll have a rocking band. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I watched Little Nicky, and, you know, Adolf yeah. Hitler, you know, it gets a... Uh, and the pineapple. A, yeah, and the pineapple. Yeah, every I day. Every day yeah. he gets a pineapple. <laughs> 
Everybody gets the pineapple. <laughs> that's too funny. Uh, yeah, that's a great movie. I like that. I like it. Yeah, I, it, it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. What is it like right now? I mean, are you still able to do uh, gigs right now with the virus going around, or is it pretty much shut down with what you normally Everything do? Everything shuts down. Everything, you know, is kind of, I'm, uh, I'm planning virtual events. I'm going to do some of my own virtual events for Halloween because if, if clients were contacting me. They were talking to me about things, but because of the lack of leadership, um, and there is no, you know, good messaging on, on, you know, just wear your mask. It's, it's good for you. It's good for everyone around you and, and other things, you know, I don't get into the politics of it, but the fact that it got politicized really screwed it up for all of us. I mean, other companies or uh, other countries are able to open now and, and companies and things, but you know, our numbers are exploding in like, you know, half our states. So, um, it's bad, and and people that were on a wait and a lot of people were contacting me, but on a very much on a wait and see basis because the numbers were not getting better. You know, they tried to open up too soon. The masking wasn't even when that messaging wasn't clear. You know, it wasn't wasn't you know uh, definitive enough from the top on down, um, and it wasn't a unified message by any means. So our numbers exploded, and I, and I knew they would, and. And I knew that if they didn't, if they didn't do like the rest of the world, you know, well, many places in the rest of the world had tamped them down when they, you know, but the minute we started flattening the curve, then they opened up and then, then there was no more flattening. The numbers went and that meant that everything got canceled, everything live. I mean, I don't know of any music tour or any, anything else or any other big shows, you know, like, like mine that uh, are, 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 you know, everything's been canceled and most of them are going on the road until a year from now or into next fall. So, uh, you know, as much as I had clients that wanted to do things, they are not, they are not able to pull the trigger on anything because nobody's sure what to do. And, and in the, uh, in the interest of public safety, which I agree with wholeheartedly, they are canceling and they are not doing anything and they are not booking. And I understand that, you know, um, and I put policies in place to, you know, guarantee that, you know, you know, if they had to, you know, if they did book it and had to move it, that I understood that. And that, you know, whatever we had in place would then follow to their new date, even if that was into, you know, next year into 2021. So everything was canceled and everything, my whole business, I just shifted immediately to everything online um, you know, the movie and, and other movies, uh, you know, they're doing a, a couple more issues of the haunted tales of, uh, bachelor's Grove, the comic book I'm featured in and the, the issues two and three are going to be up, you know, uh, online soon in a Kickstarter campaign and everything. And that's coming up, uh, in the next few weeks, uh, the, the other movie, uh, you know, is, is coming out the, the devil's canvas dark realm is out there and I'm still promoting that. So thank you. I'm, I love that you love the movie and always mention that. Thank you, Gary. I, I really appreciate that. So I've been sending people to that and I've been doing, creating a lot of new merchandise. That's all online. You can find on my website and on, on my social media and everything. Um, so I just, I just did a hard turn into online like so many people did because I, I could. And then, and now I'm, I'm putting together virtual shows and some virtual events that, that I'll, I'll have more information on soon. I'm in the, I'm in the midst of, putting that together because once i saw that there was no way anybody was going to be able to book anything live i i shifted into gear of putting together virtual events for halloween on so i'll have 
you know, some virtual events going on and we're, we're, you're, we're, you know, determining on whether that's going to be a, uh, you know, uh, an event where you can just, you know, do the, the virtual PayPal tip jar or where they're going to actually sell tickets to it and try and, and, and make it something, something that that's more exclusive that way. Uh, maybe a bit of both. We might have some, some smaller event things that are, that are exclusive to fans and then some larger things that are, I just want everybody to have fun. Nobody's canceling our Halloween. It's just going to be online. <laughs> well, I got a funny so. feeling kids. How are they going to get their candy online? I mean, this, uh, this? you know, exactly. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, that is a good thing. I mean, uh, we're going to have to see how do you, how do you do, how do you disseminate all the goodies, all the treats, you know, when you can't go out. I mean, the, the only other good thing is, and it'll be interesting to see what policies that communities put in place. Cause that will be very much in your local communities policies. So, you know, talk to your local you know, uh, governments, uh, about that, your local, you know, cities, villages, you know, um, cause different places like to have different curfews and different hours for trick or treating. That'll be different too. The, the, the good thing about Halloween is it's conducive to wearing a mask. So, you know, if the people doling out candy are lit up and decorated and, and say, come on, you know, we're clearly, you know, are inviting you over if they're masked up, and the kids are masked up, you know, whether it's under their Spider-Man mask or Frankenstein mask or whatever they're doing, or it's, you know, some sort of crazy mad doctor look. It's con- Halloween is conducive to masks. So I think we could all mask up and, you know, so you could safely, I think, go out with the kids and, and walk them around and be safe in your own home if you are masked up too. So I think it's, it's possible to do some of that. Um, but that is going to be very much, it's like, you know, do, do, do parents and local communities find that to be safe or conducive at all? And, and I think that's going to, going to also, um, be determined by what our numbers look like when we get to the end of October. And, and I'm, I'm really hoping that they're looking better. You know, there are more people masking up and, and people taking that seriously. The messaging is now getting better. Um, and, and people just know, I think it's just a common courtesy to, to each other, you know, to wear the mask. I know it got politicized as a, a First Amendment right, but it's got nothing to do with that. It's all about it's all about courtesy to one another, and it's all about science and tamping it down. I, I don't know. I know other people have other opinions about that, but I, I think that the fact that it got thrown into that arena is is just it's wrong. It's it's not the the right way to think about it. So I think there are ways we can have a safe Halloween, and we will. But a lot of it will be online. But I hope the kids can go out and trick-or-treat at least a bit, you know, and maybe some merchants. I know there are merchants around here where a bunch of stores, you know, I let kids go through and, and uh, trick-or-treat to them. So if they're already open and masked up in those, in those stores for people, then, you know, maybe, maybe you know, communities can, can come together and give them a structured, you know, and very defined, you know, route of trick-or-treat you know, trick-or-treating and stuff like that. So I think there are ways to do it, and I hope people are thinking about it. But, uh, you know, honestly, you know, it's going to be weird. I mean, it's like we had virtual graduations and everything else. So I, it all depends on your local, you know, uh, community leadership and how they feel about it and how the parents feel about it. And, you know, and if the kids, you know, even themselves, you know, feel like going out. Mostly the young people still want to go out, you know. Uh, but... um It'll be interesting to see exactly how that transpires this year, won't it? Well, we'll find out by about October. It, it, you know, if mm-hmm. all of a sudden we start getting hit, more people getting, you know, the virus, 
and it starts yeah. going up, and that's what they're scared about. But you know where I live on my mini farm, I I got you know about two acres of cedar trees around. I'm the only one around where I'm at now. It has trees left because I never had them cut down. I'm not going to. But it has had one advantage, and I don't want to sound cheap because every year I go buy a couple bags of candy for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think in the last twenty years, I've had three people. Three kids show up for Halloween trick-or-treating, and it was <laughs> yeah. last year, and it was the first year I, you know, I, I waited for like two hours, not anybody showed up. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And those Milky Ways started looking really good. So I sat oh, there yeah. and I pigged out. I was watching Andy Griffith and eating all these goodies, right? And then there was a knock on the door. Wow. I had nothing yeah. to give him. You know, I, I said, here, here's a dollar. Here's a dollar. Here's a dollar. You know, and then a couple minutes later, there's another. And then I end up having to turn the lights off. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You never know. You just never know. I mean, you know. Uh, most seems like I, uh, you know, I know other people that have had the exact same experience. They have a, you know, bags and bags of candy, and then nobody shows up, like three kids, you know. And then, you know, the minute you get into it, or, or you know, you, the minute you're running out of supplies, then you know, there's a horde, you know. So it, it, it's hard to gauge it, you know, especially from year to year. Yeah. Um, most of it stays pretty consistent, I think. I think if you're in an area where there aren't a lot of kids and not a lot of trick-or-treating, it tends to stay that way. And I know there's other neighborhoods in certain places, too, where it's all the rage. But, yeah, it is. I, I yeah. remember when my kids used to go trick-or-treating, they used to come back home with pillowcases full. Yes. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, we would go out, too. They would do what they called it on the 30th, the night before they would call it beggars now, beggars night, and you could go out there. Now it's referred to as devil's night, uh, which is more fun and creepier. Um, so, uh, but on beggars night, we would go out, and then we would go out again on Halloween. And then sometimes on Halloween, we would go change costumes and go out and hit the neighborhoods again, or go to an- have somebody drive us to another neighborhood and keep going. And we would. It would just be, it would be, you know, tons and tons. We, you'd be out all night, and there were no curfews on it or anything. Then you would start, you know, uh, about dusk, and you would just keep on going well into the night. You know, until like maybe 11 ish or so, you know, so not all night long, but you would go, you know, well past dark. And now a lot of communities have ratcheted it down to like two or three hours and it's pretty early, you know, some of it's still in daylight, um, which is good for the littler kids that want to go out, you know, and they're usually chaperoned by a parent or somebody like that. But, 
it, uh, you know, it used to be quite the free for all, though, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, now, James, are you yeah. are you going to go trick or treating this year, James? No, not me. I don't go trick or treating. It's funny where I live. I've been here going on almost nine years, and same scenario as you, Gary. I buy candy, nobody comes by. I end up eating it, but I can't eat it anymore anyway because of the peanut factor. But same scenario, nobody comes by. I don't know why. I don't know. I think everybody goes to the very expensive houses nowadays because they're not satisfied with the little candy bars. They want the big ones. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you saying I'm in a low rent district? district? I never, I never said that. I mean, you know, me, I'm proud of you. You you moved out nine years ago out of that cardboard box underneath the bridge. Right, I, I'm like George and Wheezy. I'm moving on up to the east side. Yeah, oh, boy. Uh, I'm, there you I'm, go. I'm saving up for a big cardboard box here. You know, uh, for when I when I hit uh, seventy, for I can move under the bridge to save money. That's an that's an extreme downsizing, Gary. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah if we even have an economy, you know, in the next—that's what I'm really scared about, guys. The way the economy is not going, it's getting scary. The only places I know they're making money is hardware stores because people now have time to fix their houses, and the grocery mm-hmm. stores. You know, all yeah. everything else is pretty much gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, people are working on their cars, people are working on their homes, and people are baking a lot. So, yeah, I mean, the grocery stores and bake things. And, you know, and online is popping, though. People are shopping for all kinds of stuff, you know, um, home improvement, clothes, lots of things. You know, on Amazon's doing a banging business, so is Walmart online. And uh, I'm doing well online. My merch is selling well online. People still want, you know spooky spooky dark sticky fun so they they come and get that, that stuff from me they're they're buying the the dvds of dark realm and and going to stream it on amazon so i think the thing is is for everybody to fi- figure out how to how to go online and monetize you know their talents and what they do or find a side hustle they can do online but i think right now the safest thing to do and the thing they should be teaching everyone how to do we have this amazing technology that's available to all of us and when you know the right things to do the bar to entry is 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 little to no money at all you can get started with nothing more than than an email address you know that's all you need and you know in a laptop or or you could run an entire business through your smartphone get an iphone or a galaxy or something and bang you're in business you can do it all through your phone through apps and and other things i mean I, I've, I've done a lot of it. A lot of the, the new stuff I've, I've designed and the merch I put out, I have done through uh, print-on-demand companies. And that has been banging, too, because they, they, they're they doing masks. I've got a Nosferatu mask that has me and my Nosferatu makeup uh, made into a, a, meta, you know, a mask for people to wear. And that's online, as well as new T-shirts. And I just, I just made new stuff. I'm releasing, you know, an Every Day is Halloween mug for the halloween season and other things and i just released a new design called um it's me and as a vampire with fangs and everything and bats behind me in the sky and it's a big release the bats mug and and t-shirt that design goes you know follows onto onto wardrobe as well so you know and that i i I created that through my own photos and my own talents i have a background in in graphic design as well as as other things i studied it to, to do help with my marketing 
And, you know, <clears throat> people can, with a few apps, take that and turn it into a file that they can then upload onto a print-on-demand, uh, you know, service. And if they've got a wicked sense of humor or a fun image or something or both, you can turn that into cash, you know? Write a book. There's a lot of people writing books now more than ever. There's a lot of books. Yeah. I mean, I am. I'm gathering that, you know, the, the, the story about the coffin and so many others and kind of telling the tale of how I got from a young boy in the Midwest with a box of magic to the master of the dark realm making his own horror movie, you know, and that's I'm, I'm working on that right now as we speak. So, oh, that's what I was going to uh, even ask you. What got yeah. you, what got you into making and being an actor in horror movies? Well, that's part of the career, because like I said earlier, I told you, it's like how in the beginning it was very normal, traditional magic, you know, it's very straightforward and, you know, what you would what you would see. But, you know, I was a kid that liked all that weird stuff. So then it became the inspiration of the show. And then the show, then I, then I transformed my my show and my look and the feel of that. And in, in the beginning, it was, you know, and that went through a couple of different phases. Like I have my own cable TV show, which you can see on my YouTube channel now. Um, in the early 90s, that was YouTube. Before there was YouTube, you went to a local, it was local origination uh, cable television, and I had their studio and their support, and I went in and I made this really weird show of gothic illusion and, you know, um, you know the beginnings of dark, sticky fun. And in those days, I had very long blonde hair and did the velvet vampire look, and it was more vampire Lestat. Later, I shaved my head and did a harder look, and now it's more Nosferatu looking, you know, but it was all very vampire-y all along. It just kind of that look uh, morphed as it went along. But once I created that look in the show, that got me attention. And then horror film directors came to me and said, we really like your look and we, and we like your show. You know, we like what you do on stage. Would you like to be in my horror film? And that I, I got invited in to because I had studied acting and theater, you know, for my stage show to create a, a, a grander, you know, illusion show. So I studied all of that for that, never expecting, I, I never, when I, when I studied acting, I studied it because magic is a specific kind of acting on stage to present the illusions and everything. And I never expected to use it on its own as an actor until then th what came around, what was inspiration for me, you know, the horror movies and stuff that I loved, they were our inspiration for my illusion show. Then I got invited to act in those movies and I was just, I loved it from the minute I was on a set and I could do the lines and I had a, the look and I had a, what they wanted. But from the minute I, I made a, I, you know, I made a horror movie and there was this horror sci-fi movie. The first movie I made was something is 20, you know, one years ago now. Um, and it was called the item and the item was written and directed by Dan Clark. And Dan was an old friend of mine and he, you know, it, it had gone from Chicago to LA and was making his first movie and the item went to Sundance, my very first movie that I got invited to act in. I was making two at the same time. And there was one was with John Lachago, which didn't, sadly didn't come to fruition. It didn't get finished that first one. I worked for him and other films later. Um, but Dan's movie, The Item, did, and it went all the way to Sundance and then out to a worldwide video release. And the nice people at Sundance described the item like this. It's Quentin Tarantino on acid. And it is. <laughs> so, you know, if you can find it, it's harder to find now because it was out a long time ago. But the item is this really weird ride. And it's criminals and it's dark sci-fi and it's horror and it's, uh, and it's a, you know, a crime drama. And, and it's a weird, fun ride. 
that they called like an art exploitation film, which has elements of, 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 of uh, a crime drama, sci-fi and horror all wrapped together in, in this. It, I, I was, it was one of those weird movies that I would find on the shelf of, of the old video stores when we had video stores. And I, I would have pulled it down and I would have loved discovering some weird movie like that. So to be in something like that, that, you know, went to Sundance and everything and had such phenomenal success. My first time out as an actor, I was just thrilled. And I was like, I'm in, I'm, you know, and since the people that would come and watch me in a horror film are the same people that I made my, my, you know, Gothic illusion show for, it was the same audience. So I continued to do both after that. And that's what led me around into the, the acting world is that it came looking for me because they liked my, my skills and they liked my look, you know, my, my extreme look gets me in the door, uh, as an actor in a lot of, a lot of ways. Yeah. It's those evil eyes you have. You know that. Exactly. Well, there is. And in fact, one review talked about how I acted with my eyes a lot and they really enjoyed that. So that was, that was a nice compliment because that's, because that's, I mean, cause that's physical acting. That's, that's the subtext to everything. You, you have to be present in that scene. You have to, you have to listen and engage with the other characters. Even when you have no lines, you can't just stand there. I mean, and that's, that's the thing. And that's, that's what separates some, you know, better acting from some, you know, not very good acting is that you have to be present in that scene at all times. And so when, when, when I read things about me acting with my eyes and, and I do, because it's a, it, it, you know, they like to feature them anyway. But it, it, I, I, you know, I took that as a as a really good sign that I was, you know, on the right path to some, you know, decent acting because uh, I was engaged in the scene and the other characters, even even when you're not speaking. There, there's a whole music video that's that's on the YouTube channel that is me acting, you know, and, and there's no lines for me. It's a music video, um, and 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 it features me and this young dancer, and it's kind of a a very dark Alice in Wonderland kind of theme. And I'm doing kind of the Mad Hatter character. And, and it's, I, you know, it's really good because it's all, it's all physical acting and it's nonverbal acting with the music playing over it. And, and that's another example of that, how they, you know, like me for the look and for the stuff that I can do even without saying a word. Now I got a question here because our time is almost up here. What's uh, 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 that? It does go and fast. And thank you for having it? me back on. I'm I'm thrilled. It's been a little while, and 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 I'm I'm thrilled to be back on with you always. Anytime you want, Gary. Anytime. Well, I got to ask you a question. On a blooper yeah. in one of these horror movies, what was the, mm-hmm. the most funniest blooper you have ever been in making a horror movie? Wow, there there are a bunch. Um, there there's even in Dark Realm. There's um, and I think this is on online i'll have to i'll make sure it goes on the on the the youtube channel because uh, it might be on the on the facebook page I'll, I'll make sure it goes on the youtube channel so please go and subscribe to my youtube channel it's under my name on 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 youtube um but there is a scene where my co-star and director of the film uh vinnie vincent Belanchio, uh who i lovingly call mr vinnie <laughs> so vinnie and i are doing the scene and it's backstage and he improvises this thing this line at the end of the scene you know because he's He's backstage, and I'm like, what are you doing back here? And we're talking about other things. And he's got this, this you know, piece of wood with nails stuck through it, and he's kind of pounding on stuff. And I, and I come through, and, and at the end of the scene, I exit the scene, and he then turns around and ad-libs this line. He's got this big, you know, stick with nails through it, 
and he's going here, kitty, 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 here, kitty, 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 and he improvised that, and it made me laugh my ass off. <laughs> and we laughed about that for days and days. And, and Vinny was shooting that scene. Vinny was just, he was fried because, I mean, it's an indie film. We only have, you know, it's a lower budget. We don't have millions of dollars. We have, we have decent money, but not huge, you know. We don't have Marvel money or Star Wars money. So uh, we're, we're down there shooting fast and lean. And that means you're shooting, you know, you're trying to get through it as fast as you can to, to get as many setups as you can and get your coverage. And we're in that scene and we're shooting it. And Vinny at this point, because he's running the crew and he's running the other end of it. And I'm, I'm putting the show together and rehearsing all, all the, the people in the show with me and everything. And we're, we're, we're shooting that, you know, you know, back to back in the theater. And this is some scenes we were shooting backstage in the theater. And he was just fried. He was out of his mind because he was working like, you know, almost 24 hour days, just really getting very little sleep and working, working, working to uh, run the setups and the crew and, and everything on his end and, and direct and to keep the storyboards and everything in line. So Vinny's fried at this point. And it's late one night and we're, we're trying to get this one last scene in. And he's just out of his mind. I've never seen him so out of his mind at work on a set. And the, on all the things we've done together, um, he's never been this just like just manically out of it and just fried. And and he was exhausted, and we're going through this, and he's banging it out, and then he ad-libs that line, and none of us could stop laughing because we were all <laughs> – it was really funny. Uh, so uh, I, I love that scene, and I love that story. And – uh uh, like I say, it was uncharacteristic for him to be that whacked, uh, you know, out of it, you know. Uh, but we were doing so much and wearing so many hats, uh, making Dark Realm, because it was basically Vinny and I running the whole damn production. I mean, we, we, we had, you know, other people helping us, many people helping us, and department heads and things like that. But, you know, basically the two of us had to had to run so much of it. And um, and it was just so funny to watch him lose it like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it would be. Now... How do they find yeah. you? I mean, they can find you on Facebook by Ron Fitzgerald. But how about, yeah. do you have a website yeah. where the people can go and look at your coffee cups and your T-shirts and all this stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. A, a lot of that, a lot of that is online on, you can find Ron Fitzgerald's Realm on, on Facebook. Go to my, go subscribe to my YouTube channel on um, uh, YouTube, you know, uh, YouTube forward slash Ron Fitzgerald's Realm. Uh, and you can find a lot of great stuff there, including a whole playlist on Dark Realm and other things. And um, my website, my home online, is FitzgeraldsRealm.com, F-I-T-Z-G-E-R-A-L-D-S-R-E-A-L-M.com. So FitzgeraldsRealm.com. Uh, go in there and subscribe. Get on my email list. You get a free specially mixed track from the Dark Realm soundtrack. And you can get on there, and then you'll get you'll get updates on all the stuff I'll be doing, the the, the live virtual events for for Halloween and other merch, and the, when the new movies are rolling out, and the comic books and things like that, because it's all taking place online. So you'll get all that delivered to your inbox if you go to FitzgeraldRealm.com um, and sign up for for the uh, Inner Magic Circle email list. Uh, or you can go to it's on on my Facebook page as well on Ron Fitzgerald's Realm. You can go up the um, up underneath the the, the header photo, um, the cover photo is uh, the big blue button that says sign up. You can click that and sign up right off of Facebook as well. Great. Well, you know what? Be careful with those yeah. razor blades, will you? Well, be careful with the what? The razor blades. 
Oh, yes, I will. I will, because I've got to come back and chat with you some more for more, more, more scary stories and everything. But, yes, I will. And, uh, and like I say, please don't try this at home unless you're really drunk. So, <laughs> <laughs> Or something else. Okay, Ron, well, you have a great weekend, okay, my friend? You got it, too. Uh, you, Gary, and James, thank you very much. Uh, I love the show. Uh, continued success to you guys, and um, I'll be back for more Dark Sticky Fun with you guys later. Thank you. Okay, my friend, you have a great weekend. You, too. Thanks, Gary. Uh-huh. Hello. Bye. Well, James, you know what? I, I, I would not want to try that sticky fun with those stories. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know that. No, me neither. Listen, I'm dangerous with the single razor and the plastic thing trying to shave, much less putting double blader ones down my throat. Well, we need to go on break. We'll be back in two minutes. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio.
You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark with our host, Gary Anderson. That is me. I hope everybody's having a great one and all that stuff. Let's get our uh, next guest on. Who's our next guest, uh, James? Our next guest is Rob Shelsky, and he's got many years of experience in all aspects of paranormal, and he's going to let us have some scary stories. I hope he has some scary ones. We need it after those razor blades. I tell you what, I couldn't even think about putting razor blades down my throat. And I know that uh, uh, Ron actually takes a string and ties a whole bunch of these razor blades and then swallows them. I think going down is one thing, but pulling it back out, I'd be really worried uh, worried about being able to talk afterwards. Uh, yeah, you risk actually killing yourself or bleeding internally or really messing yourself up permanently. Oh, yeah, or talk with a slant. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Rob, how are you doing tonight? Uh, okay, Rob, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, there's a delay. There's something and nothing happened. It's one of those freaky Fridays. It is. Well, why not? It's it's Friday. So if anything's going to go wrong, it usually does on Friday. So have you been staying out of trouble? No, not really. How about you? (laughs) Well, I've been, I got my six footer in today. I haven't put it, it's in the box. That is an alien. The alien. It's a six-foot alien of, you know, and it's a lot more, uh, put it this way, uh, more exciting than the three-foot model. (laughs) Does it do more, or does it just do it louder? It it actually, it'll talk to you. So you say something to it, it'll talk to you in alien, talk back to you. In English? Uh, probably in gibberish, <laughs> but I mean, you know, from the the sample I heard, it, it's really interesting. Plus it does UFO sounds and it does all this weird stuff and the lights flash and all that. I'm more excited about my six foot UFO. It'll be coming here next week. I'm sorry. What's the last item? My six foot UFO. Oh, you have one of those coming too? Oh yeah. It's, it's a round dish, you know, saucer. Uh, six foot in diameter. Is it inflatable or like solid or? It, it, well, it's probably plastic, but it, it's not inflatable. <laughs> Look, it is a UFO that's not inflatable. I mean, really. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, I had a blow up uh, alien here for the last three years. It never leaked any air. I, I put last night the three footer in the studio I come in the studio today, and guess what? The blow-up alien is flat. I don't think it likes the competition. I I think the new alien zapped it. <laughs> Are they all the same kind of alien? Are they all grays? Uh, yeah, but, I mean, when's the last time you saw a six-foot gray? Um, I have never seen a gray, let alone a six-foot one, but I imagine even they must have some variation you know, I was reading about that recently. We always think of them as all looking exactly alike, like they're all clones of each other. But there must be variations within the species. Tall ones, short ones, you know. Uh, 
fat ones. ones with big eyes, ones with smaller eyes, that kind of thing. I mean, look at human beings. We, we differ quite a bit. It would be unnatural if an alien species didn't do the same thing. Well, I don't know from all the guests that, you know, say that they were abducted. They're always three feet tall. They're always gray. They don't have any breasts or a penis. Well, they're not party animals, apparently. <laughs> I guess not. And they don't pass gas either because they have no way to pass gas. Yeah, you know, that strikes me as odd. That doesn't strike me as a living creature. It sounds to me, because all, all creatures need to eat, ingest food for energy, and they need to be able to remove, eliminate the waste products. And there's no species on Earth that can survive in its own waste products, apparently, except for humans, because we seem to do it with pollution with no problem. But uh, So that makes me think that maybe they're not um, necessarily living creatures as we would think of them. They could be something else entirely. Well, I know they run on... Duracell batteries. The Energizer Bunny has gone to hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, could be. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, we were going to talk about goblins tonight, but before we do, could could I um, possibly talk about a certain hotel? Uh, it's supposed to be a cursed hotel, and I thought it would be kind of cool to discuss it a little bit. And I think you'll recognize it when I start talking about it. No, we can't. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, there was a hotel called, it was in Los Angeles. It's still there. It's called the Hotel Cecil. And um, it became so bad in its reputation for terrible things that happened there that they changed the name of it to Stay on Main. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Okay. Do you remember a few years back when there was a uh, a body found in a water tank on the roof of a hotel? Oh, I remember. It was it was of a, a, a female, and it was really a strange story about how she ended up in the water tank. But let's let's let's, let's cover it. All right. Well, let's start at the beginning then. She was hardly the beginning. The uh, hotel started having a string of suicides not long after it was built. The first one was in 1931. The next one was in 32. There was one in 34, one in 37, one in 1938, 1939, and 1940, and it continued from there. Also, at some point in the 1930s, there was a man who was pinned to the exterior wall by a truck, and he was killed that way. Uh, a woman was murdered, murdered, I'm sorry, murdered her newborn in the building in 1944. And then the pattern of suicides continued into the 60s. In 1962, a woman jumped from the ninth floor window and landed on a pedestrian, killing not only herself, but the pedestrian as well. Um, <laughs> and it's worth noting that two of the women who died by suicide apparently jumped from the room while their husbands were asleep in the bed there. Uh, in 1964, a tenant named Goldie Osgood was brutally murdered, a crime which was never solved. Then in the 80s, the infamous serial killer, Richard Ramirez, do you know who that is? I heard the name, yes. Yeah, he's referred to as the Night Stalker. Mm -hmm. He stayed at the hotel, and in the 1990s, the Aust Austrian serial killer, Jack Unterwedge, and I don't think I pronounced his last name right, but it's the best I can do, he also lived there. Other weird things kept happening, but the weirdest is definitely the disappearance and death of the 21-year-old traveler, Elisa Lamb. Now, this is the young woman we were just talking about. We actually have some video of her. She was in an elevator. 
The last time she was seen was on a security camera in the elevator. She was behaving oddly. She pushed all the buttons on the elevator for all the floors. Then when the doors opened, she sort of was playing what looked like hide-and-seek, but it didn't look like fun. It looked like she was trying to hide from someone. But the doors stayed open unnaturally long. They didn't seem to want to close. And she was behaving weirdly. That's the last anyone saw of her. The next thing that happened was the other tenants in the building, excuse me, started complaining about the quality of their water, that it had a funny taste. Oh, I wonder why. It was very low pressure. Oh, yes. And finally, after some time, the hotel management checked the water tank on the roof, and they found her body. She'd been in there for quite a long time. Can you imagine drinking that water? How horrible. You know. Can you imagine taking a shower or a bath in that water? I think drinking it would be worse. (laughs) It's bad enough to have it on the outside of you, but have it on the inside. I mean, it's almost a form of cannibalism, you know. Miss Lamb soup or something. (laughs) It's really (laughs) disgusting. I don't think I could handle it. And uh, so even after that, there was another suicide there. So this hotel, it's not so much that it's haunted as it seems to be cursed. And in one of our other shows that you were talking about, we were talking on, I mentioned that the ancient Romans believed that certain houses could be sick houses and seem to have a curse upon them. And this hotel certainly does. The abnormal uh, number of deaths is like 16 people, and that's not even counting a couple of others that um, one woman was poisoned, was rushed to the hospital in critical condition. But... There's no record of whether she lived or died, so we're not sure of even some of these other deaths. But that's a very strange hotel. Excuse me, having trouble with my throat tonight. And now I'm going to switch. Have you ever heard of the Amherst, the great Amherst mystery? No, I have not. Have you, James? I was going to ask James if he had. I've heard of it, but I can't place it. I've heard of so many, but I have heard of it. I just can't place the events that happened there, so I'm looking forward to hearing, though. Okay. Well, this occurred between 1878 and 1879 in uh, Amherst. And I believe this, don't quote me on this because I'm not sure, but I think it was a a town or a village in Nova Scotia, Canada. But um, it revolved around a young woman by the name of Esther Cox, and she lived there with her sister, Olive, Olive's husband and their two young children, and a brother and sister of Esther and Olive, they also lived there, as did Daniel's brother, a guy by the name of John Teed. Now, this in itself seems kind of strange to me. I've heard of um, extended families, but this is to the point of being ridiculous. But she apparently had been sexually assaulted at around the age of 18 uh, by a friend, a male friend, of course, and uh, this really shook her up. It was shortly after this, that uh, this sort of physical phenomena began. There were like rappings, knockings, bangings, um, strange rustling noises in the night. And uh, she, Esther, began to suffer these terrible seizures. Her body would get swollen, she'd be feverish, and uh, have chills. Um, And then objects started flying around the house. Didn't get better. The uh, family called a doctor. And the doctor uh, gave her a sedative and tried to help her out that way. But uh, <laughs> during one of his uh, visits, the bedclothes uh, flew off of her. Scratching noises were heard, and the words, Esther Fox, you are mine to kill, appeared on the wall by the head of her bed. 
so things didn't get any better. Objects began flying around, the banging was heard again, knocking. Um, clergymen came and heard the banging and knocking, and they also witnessed moving objects. And often it was when Esther herself was under close observation, so they knew it wasn't her doing it. And then in December, uh, she fell ill with diphtheria. So for the two weeks she was sick, there was no phenomena at all. And then uh, when she was recuperating, there was still no phenomena because she was staying with a sister in uh, New Brunswick. Yeah, so this Nova Scotia is where she was. However, uh, when she returned, it all began again. And then fires started breaking out. Now, this got pretty bad. And at one point, she moved out of the house, and a little later on, she ended up working for some farmer, and his barn burned down, and they accused her, and she was found guilty on very flimsy evidence and was locked up for four months, but she only had to serve one month of that. So the evidence was so flimsy, they didn't really think she had done it, I guess. I don't know. But um, she spent uh, a terrible amount of time trying to deal with these fires, and so did her family. And uh, finally, she um, even went on a speaking tour, and then she met such a hostile reaction from the people, thinking she was like a witch or something, that she had to cancel that. And uh, it was uh, not long after that that she had worked for this farmer, and um, he accused her of arson, and she was convicted. But then after that, she moved to Brockton, Massachusetts, had her second husband, and she died on uh, November 1912, I think it was. So what we have here is a case where a young woman in her late teens went through a traumatic uh, psychological and physical experience of being sexually assaulted, didn't respond well to what happened, and then all of this, what would you call it, poltergeist activity started occurring? Yeah, but could she be actually manifesting this, you know, in her brain and causing these fires, the knocking, the scratches, and all this stuff, with her own mind? Well, if she was doing it, she couldn't have been doing it, I mean, physically, because she was under observation many times. And many people reported that she couldn't possibly have done it. Objects flew across the room. Fires started in other rooms. Well, she was clearly being observed by doctors, clergymen, whatever at the time, family members. So um, she could have been psychically doing it. It, But a lot of poltergeist activity, as we also talked about one night, seems to be related to young adults, teenagers, that sort of thing, like it's psychic energy. But... And this leads into what I'm hoping we'll get to talk about tonight as well, and that's the idea of goblins. So, <laughs> is that of any interest to you? Oh, yeah. What do you think, James? Oh, yeah. Listen, people are still seeing goblins out there. Matter of fact, I know a few cases. Uh, there's a couple in California, a couple in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, there's definitely uh, something to it. Well, I know my first wife was one, and she's in Longview. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Because, because you know what the the term is for a female goblin? No. A hag or a crone. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not making any points with your wife here. By the way, goblins should not be confused with gnomes, although there is one odd tie-over. Have you ever noticed all these gnomes statues in uh, people's gardens? Quite often they have a red cap. Yeah, I've yeah. I've noticed that. I've actually noticed that in nurseries that sell the stuff. Well, that apparently is a crossover from the goblins because there's a type of goblin called the red cap goblin, and it's based on the belief that the caps were actually dyed red with human blood. 
Yeah, so not quite the nice little things that we might think of gnomes being, but I'm sure they're just, you know, in the shadow of the goblins and they picked up the red cap by mistake. I don't know. But there's another thing, um, and James is right. Goblins exist in histories and legends all over the world. Our idea of an oblin, a goblin came from around the 14th century and was, is sort of Norse, you know, um, Scandinavian in origin. But that's not where it started. It goes way back. Uh, normally, a goblin is considered a wandering sprite that is usually mischievous, but often it can be downright malicious or even evil. Supposedly, they live in grottos, uh, but they can attach themselves to households where they are believed to, now here's where we get into the poltergeist activity, they are believed to bang upon pots and pans, snatch nightclothes off the bodies of sleeping people, sound like anyone we just talked about, Uh, and flee after rapping on walls and doors. All of this sounds like something... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Right out of the Am- great Amherst mystery. They uh, also are known to start fires. Now, isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. Now, there are similar creatures to uh, goblins, and uh, such as uh, brownies, dwarfs, duendes, again, gnomes, imps, and kobolds. And uh, the word goblin might actually have come from the word kobold, so, uh, which is Germanic in origin. So... Um, Quite a little connection there with the Amherst mystery and other poltergeist activity, isn't it? Doesn't it sound like poltergeist activity? Snatching bedclothes off of people while they're in bed? Fire starting? Uh, banging noises? Knockings? Rappings? I mean, to me, that sounds exactly like what one would define as a uh, poltergeist activity. I would think so. James, you're into that heavy. What would you classify it? Oh, yeah, it's definitely it's linked to portergeist activity for sure. I do. Um, I remember this Amherst case that now it all comes back. It was known for portergeist activity, and that was in the 1870s, I believe. And, you know, back then they didn't know much about portergeist activity. But from what you said, and I remember reading about years ago, she had a lot of trauma, and she was hitting that teenage years, and I kind of think she may have, you know, um, telekinesisly, you know, created this poltergeist activity possible, or it could be those known well, either one. Definitely, but, you know, uh, definitely uh, actually, it was 1878 to 1879, and she was 18 at the time it started, and that was after being sexually assaulted by a friend, male friend. So, um, uh, so I think the trauma of that assault, yeah, I mean, was what caused her to react physically with swelling up and having fever and chills and that sort of thing, and also all this uh, poltergeist activity. But I'm, what, uh, I'm so curious about is why 
if it's associated with teenagers, do we have evidence for goblins all over the earth? Now, even though we think it started in Western Europe, and by the way, it's all over Western Europe, and in Spain, and uh, Portugal, and in Great Britain, uh, but it, it actually started a great deal earlier. The Romans talked about a type of goblin as well. And the word goblin, they think, derives from the Greek kabalos, meaning rogue, or it could be from gobelin, uh, which is the uh, French uh, spelling of it, but we're not sure. So, uh, but they're supposed to be like half spirit and half, if not human at least, material beings, physical. And uh, they have a lot of similarities to ghosts and demons. And it's not just limited to Europe. It's also in North America. The uh, cultures of uh, Zimbabwe, Africa, uh, there's, they believe that when a child is born, malformed when it's born, it's because the, the parent has sex with a, I'm going to ruin this word, Zvikwambo, which is a type of goblin. In the mountains of Japan, there is the Tengu, which is a form of, uh, takes the form of an old man with a long nose and walks barefoot. I think we've all seen kind of black and white ink drawings of that. And, um, uh, or it can be in the form of a crow with wings, beak, and claws of a bird, but the body of a man. And uh, it's also known in the um, Philippines and Malaysia. And, oh, by the way, a group of goblins is called a horde. I just thought you might like to know that. So it's just kind of interesting to know about that one. But uh, they're so prevalent in our history that there are even places named for them. There's the Trasgu, uh which is northern Spanish and northern Portuguese. Um, there's the uh, all sorts of fairy tales about them, and we call them fairy tales, and uh, other reports on them. And there are goblin-like uh, creatures that are native to other countries, too. Like, I'm going to probably butcher this, too. The looks like Pukwudgie. And it's a type of goblin from Wampanoag, North America. And uh, there is the Asian, Lagic, and butchering this too, God help me, so many people are going to call in and say, you can't say a name for love nor money. Uh, they've been likened to or translated as goblins. Some examples of these are Chinese ghouls and goblins. Um, the goblin of uh, Azajigahari, <laughs> blew that one too, I'm sure, uh, and all sorts of other books and legends and myths. So this goes on and on, and it is worldwide, and it dates back millennia. And yet, all these creatures also seem to have, um, I mean, it's so prevalent that they even named places for them, the, the Gap of Goblin. It's a hole uh, or a tunnel in France. Uh, the Goblin Coombe, which is in Somerset, UK. Goblin Valley State Park, Utah. Goblin Crescent in Christchurch, New Zealand. Yester Castle, also known as Goblin Hall in Scotland. Uh, Goblin Bay which is in Ontario, Canada, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, I, I can list a whole bunch of these places. And it just makes you wonder, okay, if these creatures are just myth, why are they so pervasive worldwide? Why are they all so similar in nature and behavior? Because none of them are considered nice. At the very least, they're considered mischievous. And they often are considered, in fact, in one case, there's the creature Duende, which is... Um, um, uh, not Latin, but Spanish. And um, uh, it likes to attach itself to houses. In fact, its original name was Dueño de Casa, possessor of a house. And uh, 
there, again, there were all these other types in Japan and China and elsewhere, even in India. So how do we account for this? How do we account for the idea that these things seem to be worldwide, date back centuries and millennia, and all seem so much alike in character and behavior and physical aspects for the most part? Again, they're half creatures of spirit and half creatures of the physical. How do we account for this? And why do they all have behavior that is so reminiscent, so similar, almost a clone of poltergeist activity? And it is, too. Now, we need to take a break. We'll be back in two minutes with Rob and James and me. But, you know, I've watched all these movies, sci-fi, horror movies through the years with goblins. And, you know, goblins like hanging around with other, other things of the dark. So we'll talk about that when we get back. You're listening to Rob, James, and me on Night Dreams Talk Radio. We'll be right back. I hope so. The computer just crashed. (laughs) That's nice. We'll be right back. Do you have a paranormal story you want to share on Night Dreams Talk Radio? You could be a guest. Email us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. From our compound, from the West Coast to the East Coast, to worldwide, both on the Internet and terrestrial radio, you're listening to Gary Anderson on Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark. And we are back. As soon as we were talking about goblins and polygeists, one of my computers froze up. You did it, Rob. No, one of the goblins did it. <laughs> Something did it. I sure didn't do it. But if you look at all these sci-fi and movies of the 80s and 90s, James, what do goblins hang around with? I, a lot of them hang around with witches and other bad things. <laughs> what did you see them hang around with? Ghoulies. Yeah, well, yeah, ghoulies, yeah, ghoulies, goblins. And, you know, you were talking about that puck wedgie. I lived on the East Coast for many years. That's kind of a prevalent thing over there, that puck wedgie over in the the uh, Bridgewater Triangle. And it actually, uh, there was several reports of, of a puck wedgie, little, like, goalie-type thing. They call it a puck wedgie. And, uh, um, man, it was, they were kind of scary because they kind of lure you in to try to get you, you know, off into the woods. There's been people missing over there, and they was claiming that these puckwidgies were responsible for missing people. Is that anywhere near the Bennington Triangle in the Vermont area? It's, no, it's in Massachusetts, the Bridgewater Triangle. It's kind of like um, in the Rhode Island, Massachusetts corner up around Taunton, Massachusetts. The Bennington one is on up northern in, in Vermont there in, in New Hampshire area. Right. Yeah, I just wondered if there was any overlap there because there were those disappearances in the Bennington Triangle as well. Which makes very, you wonder, it? very similar instances, absolutely. And, but there's been reports of these goalies and goals and gnomes and all these little things for years. And what I remember well, seeing in uh, reading... I was going to ask you, 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 you do pronounce it Puckwedgie? Is that how you pronounce that? Puckwedgie. And, and actually, that's uh, a lot of the Native Indians, uh, they can tell you a lot about that. They knew about the Puckwedgies for a long time. Right, exactly, and uh, uh, that's what I had been reading up on, and 
what I don't quite understand is, if these things aren't real, and one assumes they are just mythology, I was brought up as fairy tales, you know, strictly, elves, fairies, that kind of thing, then why is it around the world? I mean, even in South Korea, they have something uh, that's very similar to a um, Pakwaji, <laughs> and also in Bangladesh, called a Gudrabanga, and it's also similar to goblins. So, and also, goblins have become identified with the jinn in Islamic tradition. Now, I'm not sure that our movies of the 80s and 90s and stuff are something we should rely upon for uh, as a reliable source for information about such things, because, let's be honest, they're movies from Hollywood, and a lot of them were B-movies. But uh, I do think that there's something odd here with almost every culture on the planet. Oh, and by the way, even in Peru and in South America, these things uh, also exist. It just goes on and on and on. So if there's not a continent in the world except maybe Antarctica that doesn't seem to have these things. So why is it so widespread? Why is it that it's an integral part of every major culture on the planet, whether Chinese, Korean, Japanese, um, Australian, with the uh, uh, native peoples there, uh, whether it's South America with the Peruvian uh, native uh, indigenous peoples there, or whether it's Europe or Great Britain or Africa. I mean, why is it so worldwide? And why is it so pervasive? And why does it go so far back in our culture? And why are they all so much alike in the way they're talked about, even their physical size, their behavior? I mean, apparently there aren't any nice goblins out there, you know? Well, I I can say my my first wife wasn't, but I why don't you describe what a goblin looks like? Well, it depends on on which version you're talking about, but generally they're short, quite short. Uh, they're almost always small. They're very grotesque in appearance, like um, someone melted a human face. They're mischievous or they're outright malicious. They're usually greedy as hell. And they especially have a fondness for gold and jewelry. You'll notice that even in the Harry Potter series, it is the goblins that control the bank uh, with the uh, gold galleons in it. That's where you go to get your money is from the goblins. They supposedly have magical abilities and, that are similar to a fairy or a demon. And other creatures that might be confused with them are brownies, dwarfs, the duendes, gnomes, imps, and kobolds. Well, aren't they noted, too, to be able to, uh, like, fool people? And, and the goblin can look like, really like a handsome or a beautiful woman and, 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 and entrap you? Well, that would be the spirit part of them. They are able to cast, um, what would you call them? I don't want to say glories, but um, glamours. And the Japanese believe that it usually appeared in the form of an old man with a long nose. And again, or or even a crow. So uh, apparently, they can change behavior. Oh, by the way, another term for a female goblin is goblet. <laughs> I was thinking of your ex-wife when I thought of that. <laughs> I'm sure she'd appreciate that. This can't be just hag, crone, goblet. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they uh, they do seem to have magic, definitely magical powers. But again, you have those so-called red, uh, red cap goblins, which are um, considered a, a specific variety of them with those caps that are dyed in human blood. So these are not nice creatures. 
And their behavior, the banging of pots and pans, the scratchings and the knockings, the objects flying around, fires starting, all this sounds so much like poltergeist activity. So my question is, are we confusing goblins with poltergeists? Because if, uh, if poltergeist activity exists, it must be worldwide. And so maybe people try to pin it down and, and blamed it on some mythical creature that they created to explain the situation away, or do they cause poltergeist activity? What do you think, James? Well, I think poltergeist activity is kind of a general term that's many things can cause um, poltergeist activity. At least I've experienced that throughout my career of doing things, but it, it's connected with a lot of different things. But yeah, I, I've heard of these gnomes and, and these little goblins being associated with poltergeist activity, along with people creating it themselves in their mind, along with demons creating it. Uh, some spirits can create it, poltergeist activity, which is really anything that moves, which shouldn't be moving. Uh, you know, objects flying or falling off the shelf or whatever. But uh, there's many things that can cause it. But, yeah, those things definitely, especially the fire starting part, uh, they've been definitely known for that. And they're also very territorial, these little things, these little guys. Territorial, that's interesting. Um, so you think there's a whole pandemonium of evil spirits, sprites, demons, etc. that isn't just a narrow few or as, as a result of psychic ability? What, what I'm trying to say, there's a lot of things that cause poltergeist activity. It's not, in other words, when people say, oh, there's poltergeist activity, so automatically it's got to be this that's causing it. It could be uh, demons can cause poltergeist activity, which is basically just objects moving that on their own for no reason, or things flying off the shelf and being thrown. Demons can do it. Some spirits can cause it. These gnomes, uh, ghouls can cause it. And people, I think, can create it with their own telekinesis. Now, none of this has ever been proven, but if you've been around a while and experienced and investigated a lot, you've come to these conclusions. So, see, for me, I, being more of a scientific bent, I, I find this difficult to wrap my head around because I'm more of an evidence kind of guy. But uh, there is no doubt that poltergeist activity does seem to be real. But, of course, science is, well, it seems to be related to teenagers and could be uh, the onset of puberty or the mental distress or hormonal imbalances that occur during that age period that trigger these things, psychic phenomena. That I can wrap my head around, so that we might have a psychic ability that manifests itself in such a way, in anger, so to speak. I mean, crashing plates, that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to change the subject slightly here. Have you ever heard of the devil's footprints? Yes. Yeah, they're and they're um, like they, they look like uh, hoof prints, and uh, a lot of them have been reported on a couple of rooftops. Matter of fact, there was a famous case I think in New Jersey, or somewhere in that area where the um, and there was one a case of that in um, the UK as well. Oh yeah. Well, that's the original case that occurred in 1855 in uh, South Devon. Uh, there was a really heavy snowfall that winter, and uh, they saw these cloven hoof marks, and uh, they appeared overnight after the snowfall. Now, here's the odd thing. The snowfall was very heavy. Horses and, 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 and carriages couldn't get through it. You could barely walk through it even if you tried. You'd have to smog your way through it. And they ran for a total of what they at first thought were 40 miles. Now, in 1855, 40 miles was a 
a long day's journey into night, if you know what I mean. I mean, uh, you didn't travel very fast, and certainly not in heavy snow if you're walking. You'd be lucky if you could manage three to four miles in a day. And later um, evidence showed that it wasn't just 40 miles, but went on for 100 miles. And they appeared overnight. And they were called the devil's footprints because they were in a cloven hoof shape. You know, and the devil's supposed to have cloven hoofs. But these things went up over rooftops. They went over fences. They even went through drain pipes that were no larger than four inches in diameter. Now, could that be a form of goblin or spirit? I mean, uh, what are we dealing with in, in a case like that? <laughs> that's, a good, that's a very good question. It, it could be anything. And here's the other thing. A lot of this stuff mimics other things. So uh, who, and here's another thing. Maybe it could have been also an undiscovered cryptid of some, of some sort of some type. We just don't know unless you've actually seen these things. And there's been people who have seen some of these things that report it, but, you know, back in the 1800s, early 1900s, people thought they were nuts. Hmm. 1855, that place is about five years. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Just before the Civil War in America. So that's quite a long time ago. But, I mean, they're so desperate for an explanation that they came up with the idea of hopping mice, which is ridiculous because hopping mice don't hop up onto rooftops, run across them down to the side and travel for 100 miles. Uh, then they even tried kangaroos. They thought kangaroos might explain it. So everyone was on the lookout for a wild kangaroo in England. Yeah, yeah not likely. And still others thought it might be badgers. And uh, But that the footprints of badgers are nothing like what they saw in these things. So, uh, And it has happened in other places as well. Up in uh, Scotland, uh, in uh, Glen Orkey, uh, they they found the same thing. Uh, the the prints were in every respect an exact resemblance of a small horse or a foal or something like that, and uh, they could be seen going for some distance and over objects which no horse could go over. Uh, and because of the how deep in the snow they were sunk, the thing had to be of considerable weight, uh, and it didn't walk like normal quadruped animals normally walk but it was more like it was had been bounding or something like that so no one's quite and of course that would tie in with the um uh idea that it went up on over roofs and stuff but it doesn't explain how it could go through a four inch wide drainage pipe whatever this thing was could change shape now i have a question for you james because you're probably an expert on this part of it 
is the Jersey Devil related to this at all, or is that something entirely different? Well, it is something entirely different, but I, I, it's funny you mention it because I was just thinking about that. There is a lot, a lot of similarities and a lot of things that are the same with the Jersey Devil case and the cases you're talking about with the hoof prints across the roof, uh, so it, going in places where you know, a horse can't go. But if you look at both them cases, you'll be amazed at how much things do line up. Yeah, because in the description of the Jersey Devil, I read once it had cloven hoofs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, and it had wings, didn't it? Yes, and it had a horse head um, also. Which would account for it being able to jump onto rooftops and run over them and that sort of thing. I don't know. I'm just yep. trying to find some uh, connection here with all this stuff because it all seems so similar. Yeah, there is a lot. You're right. There is a lot of similarities. I was just thinking that when you were bringing it up, and um, a lot of people have brought that up, but there's no nobody can ever you know connect the dots. But people are still seeing the Jersey Devil even up till today, all the way back to the early 1700s. Yeah, I'd heard that the thing was still around. Um, the thing that see, I am a dot connector. I try to find similarities and things because. Uh, if you can find similarities in things, you might find some answers. For instance, um, we talk about the uh, Mothman here in West Virginia, this around this region. But there's also the Thunderbird out west. And in England, they have a, a creature that's called the Owlman in Cornwall, southern, southwestern England. And the, the description of it is almost identical to that of the Mothman. There's also been sightings of something very much like a Mothman in Azerbaijan, in um, uh, Iraq and uh, in other places around the world like that as well. And always calamities seem to somehow connect to it. In Cornwall, there was a, a bad flood right after the sighting. And by the way, there is the, um, it goes back also into London. There was some, a creature called, I think it was called the Highgate Vampire. It was at the time that um, the vampire thing became very popular in England. But this thing could be seen flapping around church towers in a graveyard there. And I think it was the Highgate Cemetery. Don't quote me on that, because I might be wrong about Highgate. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it, was. Uh, it, it apparently appeared... Do you know anything about that? Yes, I do. It was, I, think, I believe it was in 1967 or 68. It was in the UK, and it was in the Highgate um, Cemetery. And the police actually staked that out. Because it, it, there was many events happening with this vampire, and they uh, they seemed like a big shadowy, like seven foot vampire type thing, and then they arrested some guy for it. But there was a lot of paranormal activity going on in that cemetery. They couldn't explain, and the, the police kind of hushed it up and just kind of threw the rap on this one guy that they arrested. They seen there, but there was a lot going on there that we don't know. Yeah, I, I heard that that um, that didn't uh, work well because incidents also occurred after he'd been arrested, so he couldn't have been responsible for those. So, uh, exactly. But also, there was also, and I can't think of the name of it, somebody or something that used to be able to leap up buildings in, in, yeah. in London and go through high-story windows. Do you know the Spring name Jack. of it? Yeah, Spring Jack, and that was in the early to mid-1800s before um, the Jack, Jack the Ripper. It was before him, but it was called Spring Jack. Yeah, and he could leap from building to building, climb up the side of walls. He confronted people, and I don't know if he robbed as well, but uh, they never did catch him. And they have no idea how he could manage what he managed. They said it should have been physically impossible in some cases. But uh, So 
we have legends of weird things like this going way back. So, I mean, do these connect up? That Again, it's the connection thing that has me um, so intrigued, as it does with goblins and poltergeists for some reason. These sound so similar to me so often and so worldwide that I can't help but feel there's some sort of connection there. Are, are people thinking that these manifestations are, and in fact, some goblins are supposed to be invisible so uh, or be able to be invisible. So are people seeing poltergeist activity and thinking of it as goblins? Or are we seeing poltergeist activity and it is goblins? Or is it poltergeist activity and goblins? This is what has me going here. Right. You know, there's another thing that you ever hear of a tulpa? It's about where people, their, um, their um, consciousness together create these entities like the uh, Slender Man and the tulpas are these entities that if enough people think of it, it creates it. Well, I'm not sure if it actually creates them. I mean, I, the Slender Man just isn't real. There's no evidence to support that that I could find. And I have looked into Meaning. it. I mean, people believed yeah, it was real, but it was a meme on, on the Internet, basically, wasn't it? Yeah, and unfortunately, a couple 12-year-olds took it seriously, and they tried to kill one of their friends because of it. Oh, yeah. Right? They were sacrificing the friend for the uh, Slender Man, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure which is worse, stuff. the evil that might exist in nature in the form of these creatures, um, or the evil that resides in humans themselves. I mean... I just find it astonishing that children would resort to such a horrible thing to do for the sake of an Internet meme. I mean, I'm sorry, but when I was growing up, I never heard about anything like that. I mean, I I grew up in the 50s, well, most of the 60s, I guess, but late 50s, 60s, and I have to tell you, I don't remember any kids murdering other children or sacrificing them or any of this sort of thing. Uh, I, I, so... Are we manifesting this evil? Are we uh, creating these things? Or are we just so evil that we want to blame somebody else and not ourselves for what's happening? I think it's the Internet, too, because you get young people on the Internet and they start looking at, let's say, goblins and, and, and all these other things and stuff like that. And the first thing they do is they believe it. You know, and that's when things happen, like the Slender Man. I just, I just well, like... Adults, I mean, and I don't want to get political here, but this QAnon thing where uh, the part of it where they think that uh, people are, are, are having, uh, there's a wealthy people are having a, a, a private circle where they're uh, snatching children and um, using them as uh, being pedophiles with them and eating them as cannibals, I just find an incomprehensible thing for people to believe, to be honest with you. Yet there are a lot of people out there that do believe this. I don't, frankly. I think it's over the top. But by the way, did you know that uh, one of the types of goblins, I'm not sure if it was the Spanish ones or which one it was, actually were blamed on children being abducted and being eaten? Isn't that odd? Well, that's what I always uh, assumed that goblins did do, was they would eat you know, humans, they would eat, you know, young kids. They would lure them into uh, some type of uh, predicament or, you know, coax them in or whatever, and then they would uh, feast on them. That would explain the red caps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no sense wasting the leftovers. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, I mean, uh, this stuff is so hideous that one reacts to it 
almost as if it has to be a joke because it just can't be real, if you know what I mean. Uh, by that, I mean I just don't want it to be real. I just can't believe it could be real. I, I, I just hope it's not real. But who knows? You well, know, when you, this day and age. But when you look at things realistically, okay, even folklore, if it's worldwide, and these things are worldwide and going back before internet going back before radio going back before you know the word would spread around why would you have you know these creatures you know worldwide being reported and doing the same thing it it tells me that there has to be something behind it i that's my feeling yeah, I think some kind of too. I think yeah. there has to be some basic and basis in fact for this. That's why I'm trying to make these connections because when you find something that is so um, prevalent around the world and is so similar, so often in nature and description and actions, you can't help but think that there has to be a correlation there. You know the old saying: if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. You know, but my question is: Is it no, uh, is it goblins or is it poltergeist activity? Is is are goblins just a way of explaining it? Well, could be, but also if it is, then why are the descriptions of goblins so often the same or similar around the world? They're never tall. They're always short. They're always extremely ugly. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I'm not you know, say it, but. Uh, <laughs> You can go ahead and say it. <laughs> but I was thinking of a certain goblet. But <laughs> but I, uh, I I just um, I just wonder how that can be. You know, I mean, I find it unfathomable. To me, it sounds like it has to be related. Almost has to be related. Don't you think? I myself, well, I think it is. What do you think, James? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of connections and similarities. I know that if you look in the countries like Iceland and Norway and, and Netherlands, they have a long tra- tradition and history of these gnomes and, and uh, goals and, and, and these goalie little things and, and beings. And they're all pretty much territorial and, and kind of nasty. And, you know, as far as the flying things, I have found personally in my research with the – you take the um, – Jersey Devil and uh, humanoid flying things with wings, the Thunderbirds flying gargoyles, all all these other things, all these flying things recently. I kind of wonder, there's a lot of similarities. I kind of wonder if it might be the same thing. People just describe them differently in different areas of the country and world. Well, that's exactly what I think. I think the Owlman in Cornwall is exactly the same thing as the Mothman here. It may well be what a lot of the uh, Native Americans refer to as the Thunderbird. I mean, the history of the East Coast and in the West and Southwest of the Thunderbird is a long one and predates uh, colonial Americans, you know. So it was here before we ever got here. So it does make you wonder, you know. I mean, it, it does make you consider that something something may be going on, something may be real. Now, for another question, if goblins or something like them do exist, where the heck do they come from? I think they come from the underworld. Would you want to define that a little better for me? Hell. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the underworld. That's that's the only underworld I know. 
favorite Carlsbad caverns? I mean, do you want to be a little more specific? <laughs> I think they come from hell, you know, uh, where all the demons and all the ghoulies and all this stuff roam. And I think that they escape out, and, and I think they enjoy tormenting humanity. And I think they also have a, a taste form, if you know what I mean. So you yeah. you think then that they are uh, demons from hell, basically, of a sort? I do. What do you think, James? I definitely do. Uh, well, I can tell you that in my research and some of the stuff I've done and come across, there's a lot of connections between with especially way back with evil dark dark witches have uh, created them and also there're also a lot of them connected to what is known as elementals in which also there's different variations of those that other people with magic and stuff supposedly create them to do kind of dark things and uh, there's a lot of lore that goes with that you can look back on that stuff but that but again it all basically does tie into what you're saying Gary maybe demons or something evil or negative because none of them if you look at the history none of them are pretty much if you find any does any positive things it's rare usually it's something negative to that somebody has either conjured or they've been there or was created there and they're very territorial and usually pretty nasty. Well, you know, I well, really... Well, if we're going to into the mythology thing, then you have, to, you have to consider the flip side as well. What about angels and cherubs and all that sort of thing, the good stuff? So if you believe right. in hell, don't you also have to believe in creatures from heaven? I think... Right. Well, you know, when I use the word hell... Okay, that could be just another parallel universe. Uh, uh, oh, so you're being generic about it. Yeah. Okay, you're not yeah. thinking of the of the Bible hell. No, I, I'm not. Hmm. But you know, How about you, James? Do you think that way? <laughs> that it's, well, uh, I like, kind of think both It's not Bible hell, but just sort of a, a parallel place of darkness? I kind of think both ways. I think it depends on many variables. It depends on each case is a little bit different or scenario wherever you're at. I've seen so much that I've seen both sides of it in different scenarios that created both different things. So it's hard well, to put it all. Much just, of it. Have you not drawn any general conclusions about it all? Yeah, I have, but it's hard to put. You. It's like Portergeist. You can't just say. You can't put it in one box and say that's portergeist because in my world, I've seen many things cause portergeist activity, just like I've seen many things that could be called uh, angels or good things and things that are called bad. I don't think they're all – I don't think you can just say a demon and put everything – lump everything into that. There's different variations of bad things, different variations of good things, and they come from all different places. Well, that makes a bit of a mess, doesn't it? I mean <laughs> – well, You know what makes a worse mess? We're out of time. That oh, makes it worse. That, actually, I was enjoying this. I was too, and I like I was going to say earlier. I remember reading a book when I was like probably thirteen, fourteen years old about you know uh, what we're talking about, and and what I remember in the book is how they would lure little kids, little girls, little boys, and, and then devour them, and uh, you know they would act like they were their friends for a while. They would bribe the the kids with either candy or or something and and then the kids would you know go towards the ghoulie and then that would be the end of them almost awesome like the, the uh, stephen king thing the it yeah yeah that is creepy nice note to end it on <laughs> i know well hey guys i want to thank you both for being on and boy the time went by really fast here tonight yes, yeah it did, did. 
Okay, guys, we'll talk to you later. You have a good day. Okay, take care, uh, guys. Anyway, we'll be back Monday. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. We'll be back 6 p.m. Monday evening. Everybody have a good one. Take care. Hi, this is Tom Davis with Metatron Power and Light. Our songs are inspired by our own experiences and the stories of people we've met. We know what we've seen and we know the truth. We are not alone. What's unusual about Metatron Power and Light as a band is we share the same beliefs. We've all had similar experiences, and together through music, we can explore the kinds of subjects that haven't been presented in exactly this way before. We want everyone to know that what you're going through, we're going through. When you're being told one thing and seeing another, we're here with you. Music brings people together, and together we're strong. Shadows.